0: Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM.
1: Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens.
2: Now, there's a lot of covid stories making the papers today as to restrictions and uh, lack of, I mean, lifting of restrictions or whatever. But a story that t- attracted my attention, probably more so than many of the other stories in the newspapers this morning, is a court report in The Echo, and it's buried away in there. Because we've been talking an awful lot about scams and people being scammed. And it's not always about giving deposits and first month's rent and sending money to some character who you want to rent his house off and... He comes up with her. He or she comes up with all sorts of crazy stories as to why you should PayPal the money. This is a woman who was duped out of money, which he was saving for a mortgage. Uh, and she answered her phone, as you do, her mobile phone. Uh, and the character on the other end of the phone claimed to be a guard. Now, this woman came from the Philippines to work here. Uh, she's a nurse. Uh, And she was scammed out of 8,950 euro. Apparently, this character who claimed to be a guard said the documentation led to her. um, They claimed to have found documentation in a car in Dublin that led led to her uh, and that there was issues involving a criminal investigation. They just panicked her. They just, she absolutely, I suppose, just panicked and the worry was Unbelievable, so much so that she transferred money um, and it totaled 9,000 euro. Um, And apparently they persuaded her to transfer the money from her bank account to a bank account in Bangkok. Now, I know you're probably saying, oh my God, would you ever do that? I'd never do that. I'd never be so stupid. You know something, sometimes people panic and they just, uh, reason goes out the window. Particularly if you come over here from somewhere else and you're trying to start a life, you might not know the, the police system here or the judicial system. You might be worried that you might have issues with regards to all sorts of things, including migration. That money's gone, though. I mean, you don't see that kind of money coming back. It's gone. Uh, and she must be absolutely heartbroken about it. So we do have quite an amount of stories then regarding when things will relax. But again, it depends on which paper you I'm pick up. Understand. Like some are saying uh, to- next month, certainly next month for a phased reintroduction of click and collect retail, hairdressers and barbers, religious services, all returning uh, next month. And that could well be May 4th, which isn't too far away now, to be quite honest with you. So personal services then, barbers and beauticians and hair salons, all that kind of thing. Um, not necessarily May or at all for outdoor dining, you know, gastropubs outdoors, but churches and sport. Because me, Martin, is saying that Kids need to play again and kids need to have sport again and kids need to exercise again, which is kind of weird if you're allowing that and you won't allow groups to sit outdoors outside gastropubs when the weather is good and eat some food. But anyway, what are you going to do? So it depends on which paper you pick up this morning. The vaccinations are back on track again now um, and then Does that mean that, like, if you can go to mass, you can go to the barber's, you can go to the beautician, why can't you go on a sun holiday in June or July? And they're they're saying, ah, no, and that might be the back end of the summer, but it certainly will be before the end of the year. Are you you serious? I mean, if there's a vaccination passport for people who've had their jobs, who can stop them? I mean, when they say foreign holidays are on the horizon, it really depends on, you know, because you have a digital green search, depends which paper you pick up this morning. Like, for instance, they're talking about a huge drop in numbers of the virus outbreaks and a huge drop also in the amount of people in hospital. And that story picked up in the in the mail. But ministers are pushing for foreign holidays by the end of the summer. And when do you even decide when the summer is over? I mean, is that like the back end of August? Is it September? Um, be interesting to know if you guys have made bookings i 'd love to know have you tentatively booked a flight? Have you tentatively booked a, an apartment or a hotel overseas? Where are you at with that? Uh, Pfizer are going to vaccinate their staff uh, next month, and I suppose they 're entitled to do it They own the vi- they own the vaccine in the first place but um the J and J job will make a big difference because it's a single job, and Leo veradker has gone on about that in the papers today. There are other stories. Um, I was telling you the other week that uh, they're putting a gate near the lock because of the concerns of the res- residents. Apparently, the Echo said this morning that gate is now in place. Story that I'll come back to later on is again uh, another. I suppose, kicking the teeth for people on the north side, uh, South Dock is to reopen. But is it really, though? Um, because it certainly isn't the type of South Dock that they have on the south side out in the Kinsale Road. The Blackpool South Dock is by appointment only. Like, they are still one people, and they are still encouraging people to go to South Dock in Kinsale. So it's kind of like... It's kind of, it's South Dock light, really. Uh, anyway, we'll come back to that later on this morning. And then uh, they continue to ramp up the pressure at council, and that's good that councillors are doing this with regards to more public toilets to be inside, uh, uh, installed. We, like, we don't even have, we didn't even have them in the last year as a te- on a temporary basis. So that needs to be fixed. Like, with all of, like Kieran McCarthy, the councillor, is saying, you know, with all of the walking and with all of the people out enjoying the fresh air, say, for instance, down among, around the marina, there isn't a single public toilet down there. But do you know something? There used to be, right down in the village, there used to be, in that patch of land by the um, scout hall, there was a toilet there for men and for women. They knocked it like they did with all the rest of them. They're also going to do a lot of work on the Blackrock line, particularly the Blackrock railway station, which dates back to... They say in the Echo 1850, I think it's earlier than that, I think it's sometime in the 1840s, but I'm not going to argue with them. So the Blackrock to Mahan Greenway Improvement Scheme will see the um, railway footbridge reinstated uh, using the historic area of the actual Greenway to put it back in place. So beautiful work like that, which is great. If you ever wanted a, an example as to you know why retail bricks and mortar is under pressure, uh, because of online, you'll see it in the Carphone Warehouse story, which broke yesterday, just when we were coming off air. 500 jobs have been lost to Carphone Warehouse in Ireland. They're axing their 81 stores. Why? Well, really, they, they, you probably are well aware of it, because people are buying more and more online, and they're certainly buying more and more tech. And the age group, the age group that are buying lots and lots of tech are very much of the younger generation. And of course, they're buying everything online now. I mean, I see it with, with lots of 20-somethings myself. Um, you know, very rarely would they go near a shop anymore. So that's the reason why these kind of things happen. Papers also talk about a United Ireland as to whether we want it or not. Apparently, it was a very small poll, only a 1,000 people. And the mail says that of the 1,000 people that were served 51% would vote for Irish unity, which to me is disturbingly low, don't you think? And also another company that did really well over uh, COVID is the story in the mail, because everyone was baking. And what do you need to bake Yeah, I know you need butter and you need, sorry, I know you need flour and I know you need buttermilk and stuff like that. But you need good old-fashioned butter and apparently Kerrygold are selling butter out the yin-yan and have been for the last 12 months. And plans now for new school builds is a story in the Irish Times today where schools will be given a choice in all of the new builds or retro Um, or work being done in schools to put in gender-neutral toilets. So you will see on the plans from now on, the illustrations will show design guidelines for boys and girls' access to the same toilet um, for they to be gender-neutral. Lines open 1850 104 106 This is also Earth Day today, so all of the papers have loads about the planet and how if we don't get our act together, we're doomed. The Neil Prendiville Show. And you can text 0868-104-106. Just a fast one here. It's a really strong story here. It came in by email. I wonder if you could share our story on your show. We had a scary event with our 11-day-old baby girl on Monday afternoon in Duns in Bishopstown. Uh, my husband was sitting in the car with her when she went off and stopped breathing. Just stopped breathing. Went off, I mean, probably means for a nap but literally stopped breathing. So a number of people came to his assistance in the car park, but in particular there was one woman who was trained in first aid who took her from my husband and assisted. Now, don't know how she assisted, but the the family say we are truly grateful to this lady for helping our little girl and would like to track her down to thank her. That's as much as I know. I am assuming that the woman trained in first aid uh, managed to get your little 11-day-old baby daughter breathing again, yeah? Um, so thank you, Megan Pickett, for getting in touch. We will uh, we will see if we can get a response to that, Megan, and see if um, whomever that person was will come back and we can put you in touch because sometimes you panic, don't you? That's the problem, you panic. You don't ask for details, and sometimes you panic so much you don't even say thanks. And of course, you weren't there, I suppose, when all of this was happening. You're gone shopping, so whomever it was, if you know who it was, would you please get in touch? touch text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. The Neil Prenderville Show. Amanda, tell me about your own situation. Have you been homeless for long? Um, I've been
3: homeless now for the last couple of years. Um, and I'm recovering heroin in Neil. And I mean, to treatment and things like that. I think that our government have an awful lot to answer for. for the homelessness, yeah, you know? Why?
4: Why?
3: Because for the simple reason, um, they, look, they, don't, they look at us, they judge us through our addictions and things like that, you know? Um, how can I put this now? Like, if we're under the influence and things like that, the same, they will not leave us in. They'll no. leave us on the street, mm. no matter what kind of weather it is, you know? All we're looking for, Neil, is somewhere to call home, somewhere that's safe. You know, safe haven and food—that's all we need.
2: You know how ha- you know Simon? It. Simon are going to build something like seventy or eighty self-contained units. Are you aware of those apartments and houses over on the keys? You
3: know, oh you- yeah, I, I, we, we we heard rumors about that, alright, but we didn't know if it was true or not. Yeah, it is. But but you need to be—you at-
2: need to be clean and out of rehab and everything for it.
3: Yeah, but even at that, Neil, like you know, like the Simon community below and Anderson's Key. You know what I mean? Like. The elderly people, you know, like if they come back under the, the influence and the alcoholics and stuff like that, if they're too much after having too much drink, exactly. they're left out on the road for the night. I
2: know, I know. You know? And where they're do you sleep at in. night, Amanda? For the last, like it's a yeah, shameless to tell me you're city, homeless I, ten
3: actually, years. You've got into, a, I actually eventually got into a B and B down in the Acton Lodge down the Western Road. Now, if the homeless hat that's paying that for me at the moment, you know, Um but with the homeless needs uh, there's no one taking it. Yeah. There's no one accepting it. No landlord are accepting it or anything like that, you know. Like, going back to last year, I remember I viewed a place in Blackpool and he wanted 3,600 up front off me for that. You know, where am I going to get that kind of money? Why was mind? it so high,
2: see? though? I mean, was that a few months rent in advance no, or something?
3: It was only a, a one-bedroom apartment and he it was 1,800 euros a month and he wanted 1,800 up front. Now, where are we meant to get that kind of money, you know? Like, we're not... Like we're being judged. You know what I mean? And we're like we're at the lower class.
2: And was you there know, a time think, was there a time in your life where you had a roof over your head, your own home?
3: Oh, I I had. I had two homes over my head and the last fourteen, fifteen years everything has gone downhill with me due to homelessness.
2: And what happened? I mean what talk to me about the slippery slope to heroin. Um it
3: was just got to do with my childhood going up, you know, um a past put it that way. And it just got too out of hand. And I just went down the wrong road, hung around the wrong people, you know. Now you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it, you know, that kind of way. But when I seen other people doing it, it was like the euphoria to me. You know, when I done it, it was euphoria to me because it took away my problems. You know, not for a whole week or anything, just for the couple of hours that I was taking it. It took away my problems and not to worry about nothing, you know. But still, when that was gone, there was no one there to help us. You know, we were being judged by that then. Like, an addiction in some people, like on the streets, it's only addiction that we can look at. It's what gets us through, you know. We need help. We'll scream for help
2: out there. And what strikes me as very worrying is the amount of deaths in the space of a couple of months now. Is it like five, maybe six deaths?
3: There are six deaths in the last five weeks, Neil, and there are six people that I know very, very well.
2: Six friends of yours?
3: Six friends of mine, yeah.
2: And I don't want to drill into their own specific circumstances, but would they all have been deaths due to overdosing or deaths by misadventure? No, no, no.
3: Suicide and Mm. because no one's there to help or crying out for help, trying to get home and things like that. This lockdown is killing our mental health, you know, because we can't go nowhere. We can't go meet people. We can't talk to people. We can't go to our key workers. You know
2: but how did you manage to get clean and fairness to you how did you get into I rehab went tre-
3: I went to treatment in the end Neil I had to because I went to my family and my family said like I don't want to be burying you before my mother and father said they don't want to be burying me before they pass. or that kind of a way like no one see their child pass like you know and, and how difficult was also-
2: that how difficult was it to come off and detox some heroin
3: very 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 hard Neil. very hard and it's still hard today, like, and I went into treatment on the ninth of November, Neil, and I still find it very, very hard And
2: today. did you have to pay for that?
3: The, the, the two weeks in detox is €2,000, and then after that, then um, your medical card recovered after that, then.
2: But did you have to find and pony up two grand?
3: Oh, my mother and father had to do it, yeah.
2: yeah. You know, for homeless, people, for homeless people who are in addiction, it's hard enough to get a rehab pay- place without having to pay yeah. for it as well
3: they're welfare, they won't pay us because we have no address.
2: If you don't have a home address, you can't get welfare assistance. You can't use Simon Simon or a and b as an address, no?
3: You know, we have to be actually full-time in the the facility, in the Simons, before we can use their address. Have a full-time bed and everything else. You know, if we're on the street and we have, we're getting no welfare.
2: And, you know, that was November when you went in and came out clean. Mm -hmm. How difficult is it to stay clean?
3: I have, I won't lie to you, Neil, I have relapsed, Yep. I
2: know, I know.
3: Yeah, I, I have relapsed. Because you and just felt so low. And the last felt two so weeks low. now have been very hard for me again, because I'm trying again the last two weeks to get clean again. I've clean for five months, I, I, I relapsed. I know you were, I
2: know you were. And is it made more difficult because of the company you keep?
3: Oh yeah, yeah, because everywhere you go, it's like walking into a sweet shop, Neil, and asking for a penny jelly, it's there.
2: It's easy to get heroin now?
3: It's so, so easy.
2: How do you fund it? How do you pay for it?
3: Well, Neil, I did charge the shoplifting, I won't lie.
2: And would you go into different shops to get um, big money items, or how does that work?
3: No, it was ma- mainly on stupid items, like makeup and stuff like that.
2: Did you get caught by the guards for shoplifting? Oh, I did.
3: I did, yeah. It was for food, you know. I actually went to robbing food because I was so, so hungry.
2: And do you use the homeless help at the, at night? Do you use all of the different volunteer services? Oh, I
3: services? do. Oh, I use the, if we hadn't got those services on the streets every Monday to Sunday night, we'd know where the homeless would be today.
2: And can you stay in the guesthouse long term?
3: Um. Yeah, We well, at the moment I'm there now, the last two months. So, so far, so good I'm there. Like, it's the homeless half is paying for a place.
2: And do you have to but be out during like, the day then? Yeah. Yeah, no, I know and you know when you're out by day then do you stay with the one group do you all stay together and like where do yeah. you go where do you go
3: we just hang around down by the boardwalk by the Clarion Hotel Neil and we walk the streets all day till 11 o'clock at night
2: I know and winter time's got to be the hardest
3: yeah like in back in January Neil like I was out in the very cold I had to sleep out in the frost and the snow and everything else before they even thought of giving me a bed
2: and yet we see all of these derelict buildings that are empty.
3: Yeah, as I said shameless Seamus this morning, the erect buildings that are around the place, they're, they're all empty, they're not doing nothing, we're screaming to our government to open up places, you know, like give us, just give us the bare walls, you know, we'll do it up Rome wasn't built in a day, you know, we can sort it out ourselves, if they just gave us a roof over our heads, that's all we want, all we want is somewhere to be called a safe haven, like it's all our homes that are dying on the streets. You know, and they're
2: very, very young. Actually, that's very true. I have noticed in recent years that those that are homeless are struggling with addictions. They've got very young. Do do you ever have a conversation with them? Why they've got into so much addiction issues at such a young age? Do you chat with them?
3: Oh, we do. We talk. We we talk. We all, like the homeless people, trust everyone. All the homeless people. we all trust each other, you know. But, at that you some trust can't be there because there's some homeless people that would come and rob you. Do you know that kind of way? Just to get a living. Do you know that kind of a thing? Yeah. You're, you know? You're always on alert. Like it's 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 totally hectic out there. It's totally mayhem and as I said, it's all the homelessness.
2: I was passing a group on Mary Elm's Bridge some time ago. I'm not mentioning any names or describing anybody. There was a girl who clearly had addiction issues and she was hysterical crying and she was telling her friends about the beautiful flowers in her mother's garden. I thought it was so sad.
3: Yeah, yeah, you know. And
2: where would you like to see yourself in the coming months or say in, in 12 months time? Describe what life would be like if it were ideal for you.
3: Oh, ideal... I I wouldn't know what normal would be now, Neil, to be quite honest. I wouldn't know how to put that into words because th- this is the way I've been living for the last 13 years, 14 years. I've been fighting this for the last 14 years. So if normal came my way, I wouldn't know what it is. I wouldn't know how to describe it to you. I'd be ecstatic, don't get me wrong, you know, but at the moment I don't know how to describe it because I'm not
2: happy where I am at the moment. Well, you're you know? a gr- you're, a, you're a grandmother on the streets of Cork.
3: I am, of course, yeah.
2: And what do you do then in the in the guest house? Is, do you have access to a shower? What do you do for clean clothes and things?
3: Uh, the homeless runs, Neil. The homeless runs. We get clothes off the homeless runs. Um, that's the only way of getting our clothes clean. to be quite honest.
2: Do you think it's pointless giving out warnings anymore about not starting to take heroin? Or do you think it's important for stories like yours to be well, shared?
3: Awareness should be, yeah, it should be a lot more out there. There should be a lot more awareness out there. A lot more. There should be a lot more groups out there. There should be a centre for us to go to, you know, for feeling down. If we feel like we're going to use and we don't want to use, there should be a centre there that we could just walk in and talk to someone and that person could talk us out of it. It's nice to have someone to talk to, but we are judged, Neil. Do you know what I mean? We're
2: judged because of our addiction. There is talk of a centre, isn't there? There has been for the last few years.
3: There has been, but there's nothing happening.
2: And do you use, are you on methadone as a treatment?
3: I, I was, I went down to treatment and methadone, but I'm off the methadone now and all, and I'm doing well at the moment, the last, the last two weeks as I said, I was off for five months and then I relapsed because I found myself in that deep black hole again, I couldn't pull myself out of it and the last two weeks I've been trying to get clean again but it's very, very hard
2: And the, and the deaths on our street in the past five weeks you say six people um, yeah. uh, I, Again, I don't want to d- delve into any individual, one of them the misfortunes, mm-hmm. but do their families then come um, and take them away and bury them in, in, a, in a family grave? Is that what happens? They they mourn them well, with families?
3: some of them would have their families come and take them, but um, other people don't.
2: And you
5: what? Know, like Do you know Katrina what happens? Toomey,
3: we would be lost without Katrina Toomey down uh, and Penny Dinners because anyone that had no family, Katrina would bury them, you know? Um, <sighs> she was, She's brilliant. She's brilliant, like to be quite honest. So um, Penny
2: Dinners buries those that have no family to take them? Oh
3: yeah, and Katrina would start that out. She'd do up a GoFundMe page. She'd do everything. She'd help get the money in. You know? She's very good. Like And the homeless run Street Angels. Do you think oh, enough is being
2: done with regards to the dealers and the people that are supplying the heroin?
3: Well, <laughs> um... Like you can bring a horse to order but you can't make him drink like it's not exactly the dealer's fault either do you know that kind of a way like you know
2: but ha- what's your with, what's your relationship
3: it's all to do with money at the end of the day it's yep. all about money
2: but what's your relationship with the guardie? then is it good
3: my relationship with the no, guy no just just, just, just
2: general, in general well do you get hassled all the time
3: Oh, I get stopped all the time. I get told. I get told to move on from where I am sitting down. Um, like we can't be nowhere hanging around, even though we have nowhere else to go but to hang around. We're constantly being moved from where we are. You know.
2: And do you seem as if you are invisible to the public?
3: Oh, very invisible. I feel like I don't exist.
2: But yet, you were born and reared in Cork.
3: Yep, yeah, all my life. Yeah.
2: And you never thought, as a young person, that this was the way it was going to go.
3: No, no, no. If I had my time over again, I would change it all, and that's no word of a lie. Going back last year, I was gone down to a, a six stone I lost, and I was always with both 15 stone before my addiction. And I went down to a very, very slim, six stone bag of bones and everything else. I was fading away. Niece, and there's
2: no option sister. for you just to go home now, no?
3: Um, no, because I'm not allowed.
2: So there isn't an option to go home at this point in time, but with, no. the, with HAP, it would be a wonderful thing if a landlord would take you and, so that you can try and reboot your life?
3: Yeah, we have homeless HAP, Neil, right? But the thing, there's two different HAPs, right? There's the ornery HAP and the homeless HAP. In the ornery HAP, you don't get a deposit and you don't get your month's rent up front, right? Homeless HAP, they pay your deposit and your month's rent up front, but the landlords are not accepting homeless HAP.
2: But if, say, for instance, there was one listening right now, you would be able to pay a deposit and the first month and then try Both and make
3: it I have it and all. I okay. have home it happening on. All. all I have to do is find a home okay. and the, the the home is happen will pay my deposit and pay my my up front for me and then pay it every month.
2: Okay. Okay. Well look you know? chin up, Amanda. Um Let's see if anything comes from this conversation. If it does, I'll be back to you. But thank you for being so honest and so open. Thanks for chatting.
3: No problem, Neil. Okay, thank you. And I'll talk to you again.
2: You bet. Bye, bye. Bye,
0: bye. Text the Neil Prendaville Show now. 86 Red FM. In
2: conversation there with uh, Amanda, um, and that's a very, very personal story of hers, of course, as much as I could go into her personal life, that is. But one aspect of the conversations that really shocked me uh, was the fact that where. Where it's not possible to find out the family or relations of somebody who dies homeless on our streets, penny dinners bury those that die homeless without family that can be found. I think that's awful. That's like a story you would have heard from 150, 200 years ago, penny dinners having to do a fundraiser or a GoFundMe to bury our homeless dead. I mean, that is absolutely shocking. And that's where we're at. And I suppose to some extent, we got to see much more of our homeless over the past year because in many ways, the streets were a lot quieter with all sorts of other activity being on hold. But Seamus, um, it was through a walk around in the city originally that Seamus met with Amanda and then passed her on to me but he had been chatting with other people who are homeless and living on the streets to see you know what they have to say about the current situation they find in their lives and he also had the opinions on things like drug use and the effects of pandemic restrictions and what the last year has been like for a homeless on the streets of Cork uh, let's have a listen
6: to that How long are you on the well, I've been in an out prison a long time and every time I come out of oh. prison this is where I have to oh, what's with.
7: bringing you in and out of prison?
6: Uh, tablets, and drink, and all, all I can do is take tablets and drink to try and keep the cold away. And, you know what I mean? Especially being out all night and stuff like that, you know? I wake up in the morning, look around me, I say I need something for my head. to just can alter my mind, you know what I mean? It's not easy, like, you know what I mean? And how did you... To be honest, I'd work, like, I'm well able to work. I can turn my hand to anything, like, I'm a qualified welder, like, you know what I mean? But I ended up in the streets when I came out of prison. Well there had been B&B's and this and that, like, but it's not, so hard, it's not so easy in B&B's, like, when you have to feed yourself and, you to pay rent to them then as well, like, you know what I mean? be left off at night. and I don't want to go home to because I don't want to end up back in prison, like, I'm already, I already have to spend half my life in prison, as it is.
7: And are you using now
8: yourself, or?
6: I dabble, I dabble. but That's just to keep me, keep the cold away, and...
7: and is it hard to get stuff on the streets?
6: I wouldn't be, like, if you... Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, you know? If you wanted it hard enough you'd get it, you know that kind of it? Yeah. it's all who you bump into as well, you know. That's how it's very hard to get out of this vicious cycle because when you're walking down the road just you're gonna bump into like me coming out of prison, you're gonna bump into people like that you hadn't seen in a couple of years and you're gonna be like, story, come on, any excuse for a session then, you know what I mean?
7: And like the, the, the pandemic, the lockdown recently, has, has things been...
6: Oh, it had a serious effect on everything, it does. Everything. You know, you can't walk down the road, man, you're getting stopped and checked and searched and this, stand the other, just because... Maybe, I don't know, just because they prob- probably didn't the know from around these places. And, you know. I, I, wake, I wake up in the
8: hostel. And um it's it's um it's it's twenty one Euros for the hostel. So um yeah, do you know? And I'm, I'm clean, and and, and you know? They, like, and they all know that I'm, I'm a good-hearted person. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not do you know what I mean like if I if, if, if someone if someone if someone fell or someone if someone collapsed or whatever, it's like straight over there on the do you, know what I mean? do you know? And are there many people in the homeless community in Cork on on drugs? Um. Not as much as before. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, two years ago, there would have been a lot. Yeah. Now there's, now there's not. Do you know what I mean? You struggled with addiction for a while, did not you? I, I, struggled, I struggled with addiction. I'm, I, I'm on a methadone programme, so I, I, mean, I gave up everything else but I'm just staying on a methadone programme. And, and, that's, and that's keeping me stable. And, do you know what I mean? I've, I've been on heavy drugs since I was trial, crack and heroin and all that. So I, I've been... Since a young age, I've been through that, so I've seen. Do you know what I mean? So I said, "Look, look." I says, I, 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 I'm, not, "I'm not going dying from drugs. Like no way." I says, "No, no, this is not happening." I I?
9: I says, "I'm better than this." We survive by gig, right? I don't like people going up to order. No, holding the cup and going up to people like this. I think that's totally intimidating them, especially when they pick older people. Do you understand me? And then when I, I sit down and I say, and I spell change, they're And if they say no, I say, thanks very much. God bless. Have a good day. You know? Yeah. Manners cost nothing, you know what yeah. I mean? I was brought up by a good family. Are
8: you using yourself at the no, moment? No,
9: I'm though? off for those six months. I don't touch anyone, don't touch it, and then never again will go back. Yeah.
7: And are you getting the, the supports that you need, do
9: you feel? They're there for me, right? And I want to be able to use them in the right way and the right time. It's pointless me saying, yeah, yeah, I do that now. When I'm not fully committed to it, Do you know what yeah. I mean. I want to be fully committed to every tick, to, to be clean. Do you know what I mean. Ooh. And the only way I'm gonna get that is my, if, if I really, really spend long. 12 months to 18 months of absolutely clean your lines, no charges, no nothing. Just yeah. being a good boy. You well, know, you're like, you're one third the way there now. With six months, so course, like you're course, nearly course, there. The hardest part is down. know like, way. When I walk down here, everyone knows me for all the wrong reasons. And as I got older, like as I hit 13, got older, mm. I realized all the stuff that I thought was brilliant when I was 25, 26, 27. It was really me acting stupid, not being able to see my stupidity, do you get me? And is a lot of drugs on the street? There is. You
7: can see all the syringes and the ground. And where are you sleeping now? I'm down in Black Rock. There's a the same place now. You get your meals. I shouldn't be out here with that. And what brings you out then? A drink?
9: <laughs>
7: I have to have a drink. And how long are you how long are you homeless?
10: I'm not homeless?
7: I can't say I'm
10: homeless. But well, you
7: were like you were in Simon which is uh, an emergency accommodation, isn't it? Yeah. But like were you which ever did... on the streets? Oh I was, yeah. I slept down in minus oh, six below. So there must be something happy about me. I'm from Westcott.
4: I
8: must have a good head to be able
5: to do that. We rode high on the mountain, we up ahead.
2: I think that's mighty stuff. That's the great Cork singer, songwriter, Martin Leahy. And he is flying it at the moment and has been for many years. It's been a tough year for uh, musicians and those involved in the arts. And hopefully they'll all come bouncing back with great gigs and Martin Leahy amongst them. He's flying at the moment because he has now been shortlisted in uh, the international songwriting competition in uh, the USA. Uh, And it started out with 26,000 entries. And he's down to the final 16 now. And those entries now in the final will be judged by by the likes of Tom Waits, Coldplay... And Dua Lipa. So best of luck with that, Martin. And I think that's a powerful song. He's got a new album out. If you Google Martin Lee, you can track him down and see some of the clips of his tunes and also perhaps buy some back catalogue material to endeavour to support uh, Irish and indeed Corks singer-songwriters and musicians. I love that. Uh, text at 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 1-850-104-106. And I, do, I see some texts already. Um, some of them are quite complimentary, but others then are quite critical of the homeless and those in addictions. Here's a selection. Can't come on air, but I can totally relate to Amanda's story. Amanda is a granny on the streets of Cork. There is no support for those who come out of treatment. There is nowhere for them to go in the sense that they slip back into addictions again. Uh, um, There's one word missing from that conversation with Amanda and the word is work. Uh, All they want and all she wants is a roof over her head and a medical card and welfare, all for free. It's madness. Go and get a job. Isn't it great to sit down and work on your tan, says Paul. Uh, It's heartbreaking listening to such a brave lady. Can we at least start a conversation about help during the day? Exactly as she said, somewhere to go, therapy. Uh, where you can uh, maybe have somebody sit down and listen to you and help people to stay off drugs, get housing and all the other things and services that they need to get started again. Uh, the only reason we have homeless is because of the charities giving out free food to these. Only for these charities, they would be out working like the rest of us. She wants the government to do more. The gall of it. Who do you think is paying for her hostel? You and I and the other taxpayers. That's who. That's who. Uh, another one, so Amanda wants the Simon Shelter to allow the homeless in uh, when they are smashed off their heads on drink and drugs. Uh, what about the residents in Simon who have addiction problems? Do they not deserve a night's sleep or should they be forced to listen to junkies roaring and shouting high as kites all night, says Shawnee? And that's just a selection of texts. Unfortunately, uh, the critical ones uh, always bother me because, um, you know, there but for the grace of God go I, as the fellow says. Um, You know, I think maybe uh, sometimes the taxation that we pay should be there to help situations where people find themselves in addictions or may have had trouble in their childhood or may have had a bad upbringing or just fell in with bad company and went down a bad path in a dark place and need help to get out of it again. Um, It always bothers me because in every single case of somebody you see that's homeless or in addiction or whatever. There's always a backstory to it. There's a human being behind you here in the, in the Vox there, Seamus' Vox, a welder who spent half his life in prison. Uh, or the other story of um, the, the chap who started taking heroin and crack from the age of 12 crack cocaine, there's got to be a reason for that, you know there's got to be some reason that you find yourself in such a place where you turn to drink and drugs like that. <laughs> Back after the break, text one o four one o six. calls on the way
0: Talk to Neil Printerville now 1851 Red FM. Keep
2: those texts coming, we'll revisit again after 10 this morning, but Esther says, on, a beautiful, on the beautiful walks in Castle Freak, we have huge crowds since the lockdown was lifted um, it's so good to meet and chat with people, but people leave There are cars in the car park. Last Thursday, there was a car broken into and another one on Monday. Two cars were broken into. Please ask people, if they're coming down here, uh, leave your handbags at home or take them with you. Leave nothing in the car when you go walking. This never happened before. It's the first time it ever happened in Castle Freak. I live here. Warn people. It's like everything. Leave nothing on view in your car when you leave it, particularly in isolated areas where it's just absolutely manna from heaven for a burglar or a thief or a shoplifter or somebody who wants to break in and burgle your car. Thanks for that, Esther. Actually, there's a storm brewing down west, I can tell you. Peter Warburton, good morning. Good morning, good morning And why is this storm brewing? I mean, you're you're involved in um, in, certainly in hospitality, in catering, been doing all the right things down west. What's going on?
7: I think you've hit the nail on the head there Neil uh, when you just said in hospitality and catering because um we're actually in self catering um, which is you have eight
2: self catering cottages and you have three tree houses fair play to
7: you. that's correct and we've been closed for 36 out of the last 52 weeks and um and over the last four weeks we've been mounting a campaign To uh, try and persuade government to look at hospitality slightly differently. And what I mean by that is that, at the moment, um, the government just lumps um, pubs, restaurants, hotels, guest houses and self-catering all under the one umbrella of hospitality.
2: Yeah, but we do know now that hotels and guest houses will get open a lot faster than pubs will get open. You know that.
7: Uh, we know that, but what we don't know is whether self-catering can open ahead of hotels like they're doing in the North, like they're doing in the UK. And this is the crux of our argument to government. And we understand that NEPHIT's guidance to government is based on preventing people from meeting together indoors. And we know, as we all accept, that a crowded pub or a crowded hotel makes that difficult. And our mm. point which we've tried very hard to get across to government, is that at the moment, you could come down here to Skibbereen on a wonderful day like today, um, within the guidelines you could go to the beach, but you have to return back to Cork. You couldn't stay overnight anywhere. Um, because yeah, I mean, time. no, but you like if you owned a
2: holiday home down west, you could stay there.
7: If you owned a holiday at home, that's fine. Yep. But you can't rent one. And this is, our, this is our point. The self-catering sector, like ourselves, we've been closed. We're a business that's been closed for the last 36 out of the 52 weeks. And so what we're um, stating to government is that if you come down, let's say, for example, and you come and stay in one of our tree houses tonight, you don't interact with anybody else. You don't see anybody else. It's completely safe. And that's the government's strategy. They want to reopen society, kickstart the economy when it's safe to do so. And when we say safe, yesterday when I was listening to your program, I thought it was fantastic. I think you said there were nine... Infections
2: on Monday in the whole of Cork. Yeah, we had a bit of we had a bit of a bounce yesterday. Unfortunately, but certainly we're still down in less than a couple of dozen. You know, I, I thought I, I thought you had grief with the likes of Airbnb. My understanding was that people are booking at the moment uh, in contravention of government restrictions, uh, holiday homes and cottages and places to stay in West Cork.
7: Yeah, you're, you're dead right. And then, this is why there's two strands to this argument. First of all, we want to make the argument to the government it's safe for us to reopen. In Skimmerine and Bandsbury, the fourth
2: right? rate... Okay, you're, you're going to have to move around there because um, it's breaking up. I mean, you said that there's an online advert from Airbnb and the heading is Another Weekend at Home, Christian mark. What, exactly. what does that mean? Are they trying to encourage people to book...
7: Holiday give, weekend let breaks. Give a, let me give an example here, Neil. Yesterday, um, while we're closed, we had two...
2: No, it's not happening for me, Peter. Just try one more time there, just one more time. Yesterday, what happened? Okay.
7: We had two phone calls um, for people wanting to come and stay with us. Yeah. And, uh, and we said, no, we can't, we're closed. And they said, oh, we thought you'd be open because we've tried two Airbnbs and they're, and they're full. Now, what we want to do... The, the government um, knows this. The government knows that Airbnb... Um, we, we're not against Airbnb hosts, but what we want is a level playing field. Okay. That whilst,
2: whilst That's very unfair. But surely the West Cork guards call to these and tell them to leg it back home, No.
7: I mean, that's the thing which obviously isn't happening um and do you know what neil we don't want that to happen there's no need to do that what we want government to do is <laughs> to, to create a level playing field it's safe to do so where we can reopen as well as airbnb but at the moment there's not um, a level playing field. but so if they're
2: turning a blind eye to airbnb why don't you just take bookings
7: because we're not going to break the restrictions. We're not going to break the law. We're a reputable company, and we're not going to break the law. And the thing is, is that we have to take it on the chin, take a kick in the teeth, while well, we know, for this weekend, I can book 99 cottages in Skibbereen. Wow. That's outrageous. Wow. It's not fair. It's not fair. And what we want the government to do is accept this. They've got, they've got a get-out-of-jail card here, because the North, is reopening to self-catering on the 30th of April, five weeks ahead of hotels. It makes sense. You know, you can stay in a self-catering accommodation completely safely, um, but just a little bit of common sense will go a long way. I understand what you're saying.
2: If you can go and get a haircut next month, or you can go into a hairdresser's or a nail technician or a beautician or a barber's, Uh, surely be to God you could rent a self-catering cottage or a tree house or a holiday home
7: Exactly. That's exactly our point, and and it was a real kick in the teeth to us when the government re, um, released the um, restrictions under consideration for next week. There's no mention at all of, of self catering, you know, churches, construction, etc. We want to pres- churches construction sport, yeah, exactly. Barbara's hairdressers. They, they can they can they can reopen, but we're sitting down here. It's completely safe. Have a think for a moment, Neil. The good it will make to somebody's physical and mental well being to come down to Skibbereen go into a treehouse, relax in your hot tub full of chlorinated water looking over the cool countryside, that's hugely beneficial. But here's
2: the problem though. What about all of the people who live down in the area, whose home is there, whose life is there, and they see people coming down from... Cork City or they might be coming over the border. Surely they'd be annoyed or worried.
7: Not at all because they're allowed to do so. You can come down here quite No, no, they're allowed to do so. so They don't
2: hang around. They go home again. But they might be they might feel different about it if a family book a house for a
7: week. Next week, you know, but, but but also they're allowed to come down here. One household—that's the rule in the north. One household um, can rent somewhere. They're allowed to travel down here. Now, when you say hang around, wouldn't it be better for them, as opposed to going to the beach or to the farmers' market, to be in a single unit on their own, not interacting with anybody else? Of course, it would be. Other people and are
2: texting now saying that you should join Airbnb, and the hell with the rest of
7: them. But but, but also we're not going to break the law. And that's what we would be doing. First of all, we have no inclination to do that, but we're not going to break the law. And the government, we don't want to close down Airbnb, but what we want to do, we want the government to create a level playing field so that we can all reopen safely.
2: Okay, okay. Okay, and when do you think you will get the nod?
7: June? (laughs) Well, you know, I hang my head in desperation because... um, You know, we simply don't know. That's the answer. We simply don't know. And it's ludicrous to to lump us together with bars, restaurants, pubs and hotels because we're different. We can open safely.
2: And, you know, when you were open, I mean, say, for instance, the tree houses, are they very
7: popular? Extremely popular. I mean, last year we were named as one of the top 50 places to stay in Ireland. So, yes, we're popular. Isn't that
2: amazing? I mean, how do
7: you get up to it? <laughs> you've just got uh, wooden steps so old tree trunks which have been cut down um, you ought to come down and have a look we we'll invite you I
2: fucking love it I think it sounds superb alright well I'll see you when we can get there alright ok thanks Rick thanks Neil cheers for now take care Peter Warburton who has uh, 8 self-catering cottages and 3 houses 3 tree houses and will not break the guidelines although today you can book 99 self-catering cottages or houses uh, for rent On Airbnb. We're back after 10, text 0868 104
9: 106. I'm
11: Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie.
0: Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Weather's in
2: the, weather in the UK is absolutely terrific at the moment. Uh, they're, I'm not going to call it a heatwave, but they're certainly getting a lot more sun and a lot higher temperatures than us and it'll continue. Why do I mention that? Sarah was on the air yesterday. We were chatting about Court Mac and her man working in the Court Mac Hotel and I said, did you get out? And when restrictions lifted and on Monday and you could go and have a supper, have some food outdoors in a pub or restaurant or a gastro pub. And she said, yeah, absolutely. She said she went to a place where she loves very much, the, a place called Howl at the Moon, the gastro pub that she visits in the Hoxton area of London and she told me that it's actually run by a couple of guys from Cork. So we tracked the two of them down. One is Joe Ryan from Ballinus and the other is Seamus Travers and he joins me by phone just ahead of what will probably be a very busy day from. Seamus, good morning. Thank you, Neil.
10: Thank you for uh, for bringing me on. I'm I'm delighted to...
2: I just have to clarify. I know you're going to clarify. You're technically clarify. not a Cork man, is it? Yeah, yeah, I'm
10: <laughs> half a Cork man. So uh, I, came, uh, I came to Cork when I was 14 from England, uh, and and Joe, Joe, my business partner, he's he's from Ballinskarey. So he's a, a born and bred Cork man. But you know, my mother's from Rossmore in, in West Cork, so you know. Ah, uh, but need, listen, at least if we put half a cork man. if we put
2: you <laughs> in the middle of Patrick Street and gave you directions to get to, say, Black Rock or Grownabro, you'd be able to do it.
10: Oh, definitely. For uh, sure. No, I, I I like I, you know, I, I went to, I went to UCC. Ah, uh, you're a
2: cock, man. Get, yeah. over <laughs> we'll get over it. Get over Anyway, I was looking at your Instagram. I mean, like, cer- certainly your food looks fantastic. You've got a right kick-ass looking burger going on there. But what's it been like since you opened on Monday?
10: Well, to be honest, Neil, we've been, we've been obviously very busy. There's like all the pubs in London have been able to do outside trade-ins from like last week. Uh, but we've got a garden across the way which we're renting from a a local charity who kind of owns it. The best way I could explain that garden is, you know, with the oval pub in Cork, you know the garden just behind it, or the, the kind of park behind it. Abs- that's called
2: Bishop Lucy Park. You know that, yeah. yeah. I
10: know, yeah. It, it's really the same size as that. But so we're we're kind of renting that park now, so everyone can kind of get their beers and go out there. And yeah, people are loving it. It's, it's good.
2: Oh my god, that's the size you've got to use. That's incredible.
10: Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and we put we put a couple of bars in there, and yeah, so yeah. So is that well.
2: are you are you doing walk ins or there pre books or their time limits on drink and food? What's the deal?
10: No, so Neil, there's no, uh, in the UK, even last year when we kind of reopened after the, the restrictions, there was no, I know there was a 90 minute uh, rule in Ireland, but that was that was never implemented in the UK. So like, walk-ins, book-ins, yeah, it's grand. And, and yeah, you don't have to stay there for 90, we want, we want people to stay there for more than 90 minutes.
2: <laughs> and like, are you wel- welcoming back all of your regulars who you hadn't seen for some time? Is that the way?
10: Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, so last year we got to do the takeaway beers, which was great, but when the restrictions came back in again in December we weren't able to do the take out beers it was just click and collect and that didn't really work for us so like we we, we, yeah, we didn't see a lot of our regulars for like five months so
2: and, yeah. and how did yourself and Joe team up what's the backstory to that you went to UCC what was he doing how did you meet
10: so, so he we I went to school in Clonacilty to Clonacilty Community College and me and Joe were in the same class and then we went we went we did finance in UCC and then we came over to London and we were both working in the uh, banks down the Canary Wharf and we kind of said to ourselves, you know what, we don't want to be doing this forever. <laughs> so we, said, we said we'd get a pub. And yeah, we've had it now eleven years, and yes,
2: yeah, it's good. So you, the two of you teamed up and got the Howl of the Moon, is it?
10: Exactly, yeah, yeah. So like it was, it was two thousand nine. You know, after the global financial crisis, was, a lot of people were like thrown pubs away at that time. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> we were like everyone was like, "What are you doing? You got good jobs in banks." And we were like, "Whatever, we'll just we'll give it a crack." And yeah, no, it
2: worked. It, it worked out well. Yeah, I mean that's what you need to do, isn't it? Just squeaky yeah. bum time. Give it a go. If it doesn't happen, go back to working in banks.
10: Exactly, and you know what Neil, it's the same thing if you look like, at this like, time in the moment in Ireland, in, in the UK, there's so many opportunities like that again, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So yeah, so we've been here 11 years and yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Is it known as a cork pub then or what? Uh, to be honest Neil, it's definitely known as an Irish pub like, we have proud sessions on Saturdays and Sundays um, Emma McGowan she's uh, I think she's from Antrim and she leads them on Saturdays and Sundays and people love it it's kind of known as an Irish pub but previously, know, we wouldn't have like I don't know tricolours on the ceilings or anything like that we have a shamrock on a bar and you know that's yeah. do yeah, <laughs> yeah, do. We, uh, yeah we, we do a lot of our customers are from like Dublin uh, Cork are we a lot of like, yeah, so we, yeah it's kind of it's, it's a subtle Irish bar if you know what I mean
2: and is Hoxton that that's yeah. wh- Within London, I mean, uh, is, it, is it multicultural in that area?
10: Oh yeah, yeah, it is. And like Hoxton is multicultural, especially with the people living around here. But there's also like, I mean, you know, you, you know yourself, Neil. It's like Hoxton is quite hipster as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: so, yeah. yeah. So what uh, are they? What are they eating and drinking these days? The hipsters.
10: Oh, uh, <laughs> shots. Honest, no, uh, nah, we have kind of like tacos and stuff. Like We do a Mexican menu, and that goes down quite well. But, yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, Hoxton is it's multicultural, but it's also quite hipster at the same time.
2: Do you brew your own beer? That's a big thing now is now with a lot of pubs. Do you have your own?
10: No, we're thinking about doing it. We have talked about it for a while, Neil. But, like, it's, you know, it's like one of those things that we keep talking about. But it's like another thing on the list to do. It, yeah. So, so you,
2: are you pretty much back to the way you were now, all but nearly?
10: yeah i mean on may 17th people can come back back inside into the pub which is great but at the moment no it's just kind of like um outside uh outside dining and obviously we've got the park which is great but um if you've seen it like neil i was walking around london uh yesterday just a quick kind of stroll around the place and all down in shoreditch and stuff People are just. <laughs> every pub that's got outdoor space is packed. I know. I yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. When is it going. In, in Ireland, when is it going back to kind of like outdoor drinking? <laughs>
2: we have no idea. <laughs> we, we, we know that next month we'll get hairdressers and barbers and beauticians and sport and maybe masks and stuff <laughs> like that.
10: Well, I think you, you, you had to take out beers back because I follow Le Chateau on uh, Facebook because uh, back before when they were doing the take beers back in November I used to go down there and get a few beers and that was, was
2: brilliant but I've seen, on, I've seen on Facebook that they're back out so, you, so there is takeout beers in Cork yeah you? yeah they've been doing yeah. that and a lot and another few pubs like them are doing it but I, I suppose we'd be optimistic that maybe something like that would happen maybe early June maybe you know that kind of thing you, you, you don't know It's all, it's for here it's all about yeah. how fast you can get the most people vaccinated you know
10: yeah, yeah, and I think that's uh, like for this place now. I think that's all worked really well for the UK. Is obviously so many people are vaccinated now. Sorry, it's a bit of noise in there. We got we got about a hundred cakes coming in today. <laughs> there's a bit of a commotion behind me. Oh, man. Yeah, it's uh, oh come here. Uh, actually, uh, any publicans who are listening to this now, uh, back in Cork or wherever, I can tell you we we're, we're having problems with supply. So today we've got. Twenty kegs of Guinness coming in, but Guinness is in is in short supply
2: Why can they not keep up with demand? No, I suppose they have to make it fresh. Is it?
10: I think I think it's because basically they've been operating at reduced capacity. And like I was talking to Guinness Rep last week, and he told me, um, no, I don't know, it's just you know whatever. But he said a million kegs left Dublin to go to Hollyhead uh, last week. Every one of them's gone.
7: Wow, a
10: million kegs. Yeah.
2: Now uh, yeah, amazing <laughs> <laughs> <But yeah, it's, laughs> I don't. I think there's an extra zero on that somewhere. <laughs> a million,
10: okay. Well, no, we in, in fairness that we are like. It, I think you know everyone's talking about like when things get back open, like there'd be like a pent up demand. Oh yeah, yeah. And to be honest, what I have found in the last like what whatever ten days of being open is absolutely
2: true. There's, it's there is, brilliant yeah. I mean it's yeah. great to see people so deserve it don't they so oh, if you absolutely. run out of Guinness do you not have Murphy's or Beamish or anything I was
7: about to say I knew you'd bring
10: Murphy's no we don't we don't sell Murphy's we, uh, we, can't, we contemplated it maybe about 6-7 years ago it was actually a bar in Shoreditch that used to sell it <laughs> to be honest Guinness is such a, you know, like it's such a strong brand that it's like, yeah, you, you can't compete with the Guinness. Uh, race, you listen, Unless you, you're
2: in Cork. <laughs> you so belong behind the, uh, the bar of a pub, the, the counter of a pub. You don't belong in a bank at all, you
12: know.
10: <laughs> That's what I told my mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh good job,
12: good job.
2: Get a good steady job a in the bank. <laughs> alright well I encourage everybody when they can get on a plane again when they get to London to go visit you and also Joe and all the gang at Howl of the Moon in Hoxton yeah.
10: <laughs> but, don't, but, but, but don't be bringing over any cork variants now because I'd say they'd be, they'd be pretty lethal no <laughs> they'd be resistant to everything for no reason cork
2: it's variants of the COVID of the of <laughs> <laughs> oh man mind yourself right have a
0: good day talk soon thank you very Cheers. much <laughs> call the Neil Ville Show now 1850, 104, 106. Red FM. It would be like giving
2: the Oval Bishop Lucy Park um, to allow them to serve outdoor pints and drinks, and you know. But then again, other people using Bishop Lucy Park as it is. But that's the kind of thing that's happening at. Howl of the Moon. He is a howl at Howl of the Moon, actually. In fairness to him, was lovely to catch up with him. That's Seamus and his partner, Joe. Uh, lines open at 1-850-104-106. Just dropping you an email to bring to your attention the very sneaky parking wardens that are operating in Cork suburbs at the moment. I was in town for work on Tuesday of last week and I parked my car on a side lane. It's a lane I know all too well, as I was clamped on the same lane several years back. Totally my fault at the time, as I parked in a private space which I didn't realize and I was clamped accordingly. Um Ever since, I've been extremely careful where I park, as the incident at the time cost me €130. Euro. Y- you won't be clamped now anymore, unless it's private, as you say yourself. Like, be careful of the APCOA stuff and things like that. Anyway, so on Tuesday, after I parked my car, I double-checked to ensure I was in an actual parking bay, and I noticed the warden across the road. I spoke over to him and asked if it was okay where I was parked, as it would only be five minutes, as I needed to visit a shop on the main street. He said, no problem, you're fine. So I happily went about my business. Remember now, am I okay where I parked? It'll only be five minutes. Okay, you're fine. Went in about my business. Then, to my shock, the following Friday, I received a nice surprise in the post. A 50 euro parking fine. For what? Non-display of tax. I was a bit confused as my car is taxed until February 2022. So I called Cork City Parking and they advised me that my tax disc was turned the wrong way. I went and checked and it turned out that my two year old daughter, the night before I had taken the disc, the night before had taken the disc out and put it back in the wrong way round. I appealed the fine, but got the below in the post today. I refer to your recent appeal on the fixed penalty charge blabbery blabbery blah. Your appeal has been taken into consideration. The above fixed penalty charge notice was issued for failing to display the current vehicle licence disc. The fine was issued for failure to display blabbery blabbery blah. The disc displayed at the time of the offence was turned inside out and as such the wardens were unable to read the disc details. Therefore, your appeal has not been successful and payment is required. There's lots more on this, but I'm not going to bother reading it out. Um, not a very nice thing to happen to somebody now, is it? Not a very nice person finding someone for some something petty. I have turned the disc myself and you can clearly make out the date. Uh, you still would have, um, he says, you, you think he would have called me and asked me to tur- turn the disc around so that he could check it. Well, I don't know that he could have if you were gone. Anyway, he goes on to say, people are only getting back to work and getting back on their feet. And this kind of senseless parking fine is ridiculous and cause a lot of distress to someone struggling financially. Thankfully, I've been lucky and I worked through the pandemic so I can afford to pay the fine. I hope you can read this out and let your listeners know to be careful when parking. Sneaky parking wardens, says he. Uh, Thank you for that. Um, What's very interesting about this is in spite of the fact that you sent... Council a photograph of your parking, or sorry, of your tax disc, they still demanded the fine. You know, it would be clearly obvious to them that it was turned the wrong way around. You sent them the photograph, they would see that it was okay, that the car was taxed, and they should have squashed it or quashed it or whatever the right word is for it, but they didn't. So that's not very kind, you know. Not great customer service there, I have to say. Anyway, keep those texts coming. I'm quite sure other people have stories like that. Isn't the first time I've heard of a child turning the tax disc around? Might be a good idea for people with young ones and little babbies and smallies and toddlers to check your tax disc from time to time. You know what I mean? Check, check, and then check again. Uh, Bernie says, um, regarding my conversation uh, with Amanda, and more to the point, Seamus excellent fox from the streets of Cork. That's very good wireless. The fellow who said all the stuff where he was saying he used to think was fun when he was about 25, but was really stupid in later years. It made me feel that Seamus was the first person that listened to him for a long while. He really wanted to talk, that man. It can be a cruel, cruel world. There go any of us, but for the grace of God, says Bernie. One or two more then, and this is regarding my conversation with uh, Amanda, who's a granny on the streets of Cork. I feel so sad and listen to Amanda's story, but she said something that really made me think. She said the drugs gave her an escape route from her problems and gave her freedom from those problems. The truth is, Neil, the drugs are what caused her to lose the two roofs over her head. Thank you for that observation, I'm not quite sure as to whether you're judging her or not there. Uh, And we shouldn't judge anyone. I don't know what it's like to be an addict, thankfully. And I know it's difficult to understand someone else's story until you walk in their shoes. However, I don't think free accommodation or free anything will teach Amanda that life can be better. I think the homeless should be involved in something like community service that would allow them to form relationships with non-addicts. And maybe then they would see that life can be better but it's only they can change and create a better life for themselves. Also, community service would instill a sense of pride in themselves and would change the circle they're mixing with, which would help to break the trap that causes them to relapse over and over. My heart goes out to Amanda, but free accommodation is not the solution. Love the show, says Barbara. So in the short to medium term, where where do you want people to live? Is it on the streets? Is it in doorways? Is it banging on the Simon late at night, hoping that you'll get in? Back after the break.
0: The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at
2: NeilRedFM. This is an extraordinary story I want to share with you. Uh, Nationally, there are 1,800 people, right? And a lot of them are said to be here in Cork. Uh, But 1,800 in total who have given something in the region of between 100 and 150 million euro. Um, And they invested it in what was supposed to be um, an investment that in Germany would buy and renovate listed buildings in Germany and then turn them into apartments and then be sold. And those that invested in it would make profits and interests, right? So that's fine. That stacks up grand. There was a billion euro in total raised for this fund, uh, for this company, the, the German property group, run by one particular investment um, investor, a fellow called Charles Smethurst. But people have been caught, right? Because that's all gone now and it's completely and utterly collapsed. And their worry now is that the billion euro is also gone and has been, let me put it this way, misused. You can come up with any other wor- words for it. So here's the deal. Uh, um, I think a lot of people if you if you are taking out a pension or you have money to invest and you you go to a broker or what have you um there are levels of risk, and usually there's between five and seven levels of risk you know no risk, tiny risk, medium risk, medium to high risk, very high risk super high risk super high risk is the one where you can make lots of money or you can lose lots of money so you 're usually told about those levels of risk and you you buy into the fund accordingly and then those pensions or those investments. Um, buy into the stock market, and then it's very much depending on the the investment package that you have, the risk you have, and, and stuff like that. So that's what this German story is is all about, ultimately. Um, and there was um, there's one particular seventy eight year old woman in Cork who um, has lived with multiple sclerosis for forty years, invested money in this, and has gone to the High Court uh, to try and get some sense out of it. But there is a Cork solicitors firm. Uh, MDM solicitors that are representing Cork people and there are probably Cork people out there now and this might even ring a bell with some of you who have invested with this group, this German property group and you probably don't know that your money is gone. Uh, It's completely gone. And this project or this idea or this investment was sold by regulated Irish brokers who were selling unregulated products. So this is an unregulated product. You have no comeback with the central bank or anything like that. And the fear is that many Cork people listening to me right now may not know that they have actually lost their money. And it could be anywhere between 50 and €150,000, right? So Carrie McDermott is the principal solicitor at MDM Solicitors on the Mall. She's been dealing with clients and she believes that this huge amount of Cork people have been impacted. And I caught up with her recently. And she began, I asked her to explain what the investment involved.
1: I think the story begins with this product, which is a product that seems to invest in German wartime properties in Germany. Neil, that was seeking investment from investors to gain sites, obtain planning permission on these properties, and then sell these sites with planning permission to uh, various uh, German uh, developers. Hmm. The concept being that the site was acquired for very little money, but once the planning Uh, application and works were done it was worth substantially more money and it was attracting investment the idea being therefore that the investor would ultimately be the beneficiary of these um
2: profits yeah and and on that basis (coughs) they managed to raise um over a billion internationally um 150 million of that was Irish people um, who invested their money hoping to make profits on the other side. But it, would, it went sour.
1: Yes, that's for sure. Uh, if we are talking about Mr and Mrs Murphy's life savings. We are talking about uh, Miss O'Sullivan who had 20,000 left her in a will. We're talking about those kind of investments where people had money that they wished to secure, uh and potentially make some money on. Uh, Certainly, all of my clients that have consulted this office all have indicated that they believed this was a low-risk investment for them.
2: Okay, so they they would have invested the money through brokers who are regulated by the central bank, but selling unregulated products, is that it? Which would be high-risk investments?
1: So, certainly, that seems to be where the very significant concerns about this investment lie. I think most of my clients who have consulted me purchased the product via a broker. Uh, brokers, as you know, in the market have to be regulated by the central bank. And the key point here is that this product is not a regulated product. Okay, okay. So, effectively, you have the ordinary normal person uh who is investing their savings with their trusted and confident broker and they believe they are investing their money in a safe and um risk averse investment and did the brokers
2: believe that do you know
1: i there there are so many brokers involved neil it is impossible for me to give you a view but certainly i do believe that any broker that would be deemed competent would have understood that this was a loan note and loan notes are considered to be unregulated investment products.
2: OK, but the brokers, I believe, were paid high commissions, weren't they? They they certainly got paid and, and it is their right to get paid, um, but they got paid nonetheless, didn't they?
1: Certainly, I believe most would have been paid within 14 days of the investment going in.
2: And can I ask you then, because these roads actually lead to Cork. I mean, we're talking about 1800 Irish people who are impacted. Mm -hmm. How many of firstly, how many of those would be from Cork and uh, and what proportion of them are you are you um, are you representing?
1: We currently have 21 plaintiffs. Um, There is some reason as to why this seems to be somewhat Cork-focused that I haven't got to the bottom of. There was a brokers meeting where the head person involved in the Dolphin Trust in 2014 attended a breakfast briefing with brokers in the Clarion Hotel here in Cork. As to whether that was one of a kind, we are not sure. But certainly there are a significant number of investors. Investors here. What's more important is that I believe there are many people who have invested who aren't even aware yet that they have uh, become unstuck. Certainly, one particular case that I am aware of that started my interest in this: the person was had invested in two thousand and eighteen in the fund and had never received any piece of paper or information about it from their broker. And it was only a simple reading of the Irish Times website uh, where the case was covered brought their attention and sparked their interest they came in to me believing their money was safe that they'd never heard anything further about it so i do think we have lots of investors who may be unaware
2: there's a, there is a case of a 78 year old cork woman who lives with uh, multiple sclerosis for the last 40 years uh, who lost uh, a lot of money and took it to the high court i mean you know with regards to this this german Company and this German property group—is it was it a pyramid scheme, or did was there legitimacy behind it, and it just went bust,
1: or what? I think that's under investigation. It certainly allegedly seems to look like one. Um, we oh, don't have exactly. an awful lot of information as to exactly what it is, but certainly uh, I don't think any investor who invested in this fund or indeed the related fund, which it, which is more self-administered pension type funds that has not yet been wound up, will see their money back. And I think we will be looking at a doomsday scenario across the board. So certainly that has been alleged and and it it, it remains to be seen, I suppose, at this stage.
2: And for the Cork people that invested, and indeed all the others around the country, is it true that the invested amounts are between 50 and 150K?
1: I have one investor who has invested 180000 We have all different multiples of money, but it certainly seems to be 30000 to 180000 from what we see coming in the door at and the moment. Wh- and
2: why should we feel in any way... Should we feel sorry for these people, incidentally, considering that we all invest in pensions and we all get involved in, in, in stocks and shares with pension in mind, and you win some, you lose some. Tough luck.
1: I think it's like any... Um, thing you invest in, you need to understand what you're investing in, Neil. And it seems to me, many of my clients are saying, I had no idea I invested in an unregulated product. I was not told it was unregulated. I did not believe it to be high risk. I think it's it's demonstrative of the relationship you have with your broker. Yeah. You have trust and confidence. And unless certain things are brought to your attention, then you don't necessarily ask questions that perhaps, you know, in retrospect, we should consider asking. But certainly, if I have a broker selling me a product that is regulated by the central bank, I certainly don't think it's a, a, a an appropriate question or even a question that would dawn on an investor to say, by the way, Mr. Broker, is this product regulated? Because you take it as a given.
2: So brokers can sell unregulated, high risk um, projects like this.
1: It certainly seems they can, and and I think even more concerning is it doesn't seem to me, from my research, that the central bank have taken an enormous interest in this sort of product. We should have legislation that says, well, we should have legislation that certainly deals with how these products are sold and marketed in this jurisdiction, I would have thought.
2: And this German-based fund, headed up by one particular individual over there, Well, did did he leg it with the one and a half billion or what?
1: Certainly, that seems to be the allegation. One and a half
2: billion just disappeared.
1: Certainly, that seems to be what what the allegations are.
2: So are you asking people at this point in time to check and make sure that, you know, that, well, not make sure, but to check and see if they may have, through a broker, invested in um, some German company that was renovating buildings to flip?
1: Yes, I'm asking anybody who believes they may have invested via a broker or otherwise, in any German fund, because the name of this fund changed um, on more than one occasion throughout the life of the fund, to take out their documentation and check it. There are references to MUT103, MUT116, Dolphin uh, Trust, Mm -hmm. and there are other names used for this fund. And anybody who that resonates with at all, needs to check
2: and how can you help them finally carry in the sense if the money is gone um you, you're taking legal action on behalf of these clients i mean uh, how can we're, you help assessing,
1: them? we're assessing every individual case on its merits it's very much dependent on the advice given and indeed neil there will be people who will will ultimately suffer the, the 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 pain of never seeing a penny of their investment there's no doubt about that
2: and if they want to get in touch with you how can they do so
1: well, certainly our number here in the office uh, is 21 and we will assist and, and look after anybody who's looking for information.
2: www.mdmsolicitors.ie Carrie, thank you for taking the call. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Neil. Thanks so much.
2: All right, that's uh, Carrie McDermott, Principal Solicitor at MDM and they are already representing Cork people in this. Um, perhaps now that might ring a bell with you. Um, you may have... In the past, you know, invested with a broker in something to do with German property, you certainly would need to check. I hate to be the bringer of bad news to you, but if you did, the chances are that money is gone. Um, and, and for those people that are kind of critical and saying, oh, listen, you win some, you lose some, which is what I said to Carrie. Like, here's a tax saying, Why do investors act so surprised when they lose money? That's the game. Get over it. End of story. In other news, man spends five euro on the lotto ticket and doesn't win. Man now gets his lawyers involved to get his fiver back. Somebody else says, well, more fools them. But I'm not so sure that that's very fair. Um, you know, The brokers who sold this were paid high commission, high, high commission. I mean, perhaps they didn't know. But they must have known that they were selling an unregulated product. Um, and perhaps they must have known that it was a higher risk to investors. And what the investors were saying, and bear in mind now, these are people who'd be working all their lives, save money, wanted to put it away uh, so that they could then use it as their pension. And that's all very well. Um, but they're saying things like, I had no idea. I was never told it was high risk. I was never told it was an unre- un- unregulated investment with the central bank. Maybe you're one of them. If you are, I would love to talk with you if you're in a position to do so. Text Or If you're one of the 1800 investors and a good chunk of them from Cork, it would appear. Um, you'd like to tell your story. Um, then you can also email Neil at redfm.ie. But if you're one of those who thinks that maybe you've also been caught, uh, text 0868104106, but go and check. And certainly if you think it rings any bells with you with regards to something that a broker said to you and you put money into something that is to do with German property. You need to get it checked out. Text 086-8104-106.
0: Back after the break. Text the Neil Prendiville Show now. 86 106
2: Red FM. And the pubs you're missing, and indeed the bar staff that you're missing, the barman or barwoman behind the counter. I miss the Castle Inn. The warm welcome from Mary, Dennis and Michael. Mary is always having the chats and the banter. We hope to get back there soon and that they're all keeping well. They have such a lovely family pub, the Castle Inn. The best pub in Cork, in my opinion, This is Maria and Josh. I can't wait for the pubs to open again for June and July before the next Level 5 lockdown in August. Great, isn't it? I miss every barman at this stage, says the Baldy Barber. Sarah's mother and family are so hard working down in the Court Mac Hotel. Caroline has the nicest smile ever when you walk in to the Court Mac Hotel. And a quick one. Please mention the staff at the Kerrymans bar in Dillon's Cross, especially Lil, who retired recently after 30 years working for the O'Mahony family in the Kerrymans. We never got to wish her well with the leaving party from all the customers, but that could still happen, though. Have a big farewell when you get back inside the Kerrymans. That's up in Dillon's Cross. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. got a lovely text also. You remember the conversation I had? I was listening to that girl, Niamh, on the air, who's putting away ten or a week to buy a mattress. You pass on my number to her because I want to give her a contribution of 150 euro to the mattress. So that's lovely. Thank you so much. We will certainly do that. Lots then also on parental alienation, which I want to come back to. But I'm just conscious of our phone lines. James. Yes, sir. No. I had a very short text, not a whole lot of information to it. Megan was saying that she had a scary event 11 day old baby girl, Monday afternoon, Duns in Bishopstown. She went shopping, husband moves at the car, and the baby stops breathing. Um, a lot of people came to their aid, in particular, one woman tra- trained in first aid. And I imagine that that person trained in first aid saved the little 11 year old baby's life. Um, that prompted your call. Oh, thank you.
5: Yes, it's brought back a memory from 20 years ago where almost identical situation where mother was getting our young baby ready for bed. It was probably about three weeks at the time and suddenly just went limp. And you sort of think, what, well, for a second you don't know. And of course it's like China. You're afraid to move, almost. Got on the phone to the hospital. and uh, Straight away they said go, Went. Normally takes about 15 minutes from where we lived at the time. I suppose we did it a bit quicker than that, like half it. And arrived, uh, and going in the road, they were uh, talking to us on the phone. Can you feel a heartbeat? No. Can you feel a breath? No. And you think, this is not a good place. And it was like a SWAT team when we got there. And they just, one doctor just grabbed, just pulled him out. And as soon as he pulled him out, he went, oh, ah. And you know your legs go weak then. No, explain to me, what do you mean, pulled him out? Explain that part. He just grabbed him out of the mother's arms. And as soon as he shook him, he went, wah. He
2: shook him? Yeah. All right. Okay. Now, how old I was your son, did you say? Weeks, I think, was less it? Less than three weeks. Because me- Megan's daughter is 11 days old.
5: Yeah, well, they were similar a week apart. What yeah, we, what, yeah what, three, three
2: weeks old. Go on. So,
5: so they, they ke- proceeded to pr- bring in uh, the, the child, kept him overnight, could find nothing, no definite explanation, and nothing wrong with the child. He's now a 20-year-old in college, doing quite well for himself. They said something as simple as a droplet of saliva could rest on nerve end and block a message going to the brain to breathe or going from the brain to breathe. And did, uh, Otherwise, and, if he was asleep, it was a different situation.
2: And did they say for all that period that he wasn't breathing?
5: It wasn't. It wasn't. You couldn't feel there was there was still life there, but you couldn't feel anything between us. It was panic, and it, the breath was so slow. And what their instructions was: if it ever happened again, take him outside the door, turn him upside down, and give him a shake. Believe that, it or not, is that right? Believe it or not. Now, if it wasn't, if he was asleep, you know what it was.
2: Isn't that amazing? And how long it did it take from you noticing that your three-week-old wasn't breathing to getting to the a and 15 minutes-ish. So you for 15, 15 like minutes?
7: Funny.
5: Effectively, he was on pause.
2: And no after-effects, no repercussions, no other side effects, nothing?
5: After. No, he just told no, but even in, in the joking. weeks and months... Yeah. I'm joking, he's not at all. He's perfectly, no, none. None. He plays football, he plays golf, he goes to college, he mixes. He's uh, over-sociable, maybe, if that's a fault, I don't know. Not at all, you can't be over-sociable. <laughs> I'm Should... just saying no, no, yeah. he's a fine young fella. He's a fine young fella.
2: And what's it like as a as a parent of a, of a three-week-old in the car with a limp baby and uh, paramed- paramedics are on a phone saying things like, can you feel a heartbeat? And you're yeah, saying no. Yeah.
5: It's, you couldn't explain it. What do you think? Why? I suppose the first thing you think is why us? was. Because you think that's it, you're in trouble. And then you just sort of blank, I think. And like the, the, the one thing I remember is when you, when, when you heard the first scream, you went limp at that stage, but just you almost dropped. Yeah. With relief. Relief,
2: yeah. Yep. Yeah. Had he turned no. blue during that 15-minute period? No. No. Right. Okay. No. That's amazing. No.
5: It is, yeah. Like oh, oh, The only reason I did call in was that if those parents ever want to call, want to talk to me, I give them my number and I talk to them, no problem.
2: Certainly, certainly. Turn him upside yeah. down, turn the baby upside down, give him a good shake.
5: That's what he said, not right. being cruel. And it wasn't, there was times afterwards he probably got very close to that but it wasn't because he wasn't breathing. Nice one.
2: All right, fair play, James. Thanks a lot. Cheers.
5: All is well, all is well, and best of luck to them. All
2: right? Thank you so much. Actually, CPR is very important as well, and some kind of first aid intervention. I watched an amazing documentary last night, which which actually was recommended by a good listener to this program yesterday. It's called Last Breath. Um, I love... You know, bantering back and forth on air, giving people recommendations. And I was talking about Nomadland yesterday on the air and I was talking about The Mauritanian, which is an incredibly strong, powerful movie. With, it's, a, it's a drama movie, obviously, but it's all based on fact, actually, as to what went on in Guantanamo. And that was a disgrace, total disgrace. But anyway, I was talking about that on the air and somebody said, you would love Last Breath. Talk about people not breathing, right? But well, I wanted to spend spoil the whole thing for you. It's it's on um, it's on Netflix. Um, there's this diving bell, this massive, huge diving bell that they use up in the North Sea, and divers go down in this diving bell to the bed of the North Sea, and then they go out in their gear. You know, their heavy diving gear, and they're tethered, so they have a lifeline with all of their oxygen and hot water that goes through it and everything, uh, and their communications, and they literally walk across the North Sea bed. Um, to the um, oil rigs, to the base of the oil rigs, to the foundations of them, to do repair work and something like stuff like that. I won't spoil it. Um, suffice to say that one guy gets into trouble, and um, I won't say a whole lot about it, apart from the fact that you're right in the edge of your seat because they have a lot of the original footage from what happened to him. Um, they recreated parts of it. Uh, it was a bad storm. Uh, And the ship on the surface got into trouble and that had devastating effects and consequences for what was going on in the diving bell and the two guys who were out of the diving bell working. But they have, let me just put it like this, they have backup oxygen on an extra tank on their back. Five minutes of oxygen, that's all, just five minutes of oxygen. But this guy was on the seabed for 30 minutes. I won't say any more than that because I don't want to spoil it for you. You need to go and check it out because I I found it just incredible how the body reacts to a thing like that. I have no idea. I won't say any more. Check it out for yourself It's Called Last Breath. It's on um it's on Netflix. Back to the phone lines. We go. Bernice. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Guys? I'm good. And the same thing happened to not just one but two of your daughters. Two of my daughters, Grace and Michelle. Michelle
11: I was actually now like forty five, and um, back she in she's up breathing
2: when she was what? They were eight or nine weeks old. Is it?
11: Yeah, well Michelle was At my sister's house What happened to her and She just stopped breathing And my sister copped it on And then it happened A second time So they actually called it Acne attacks
2: Apnea Attacks, yeah Yeah. So yeah. Michelle then was She's sleeping She's sleeping at the time She was But she was forgetting to breathe That's
13: it That's it
11: Yeah So she went on the machine then So when it happened to her then The machine would bleep so, obviously, you jump in there like, and you take her out of the cradle straight away.
2: Would that be scary when it would go beeping?
11: Of course, you Jesus, it was your life. You would like. And sometimes like, they actually just move from the belly, do you know what I mean? But obviously, it wouldn't. Sometimes you wouldn't be. I have to stop and breathe. But, like, you, uh,
2: but uh, that means that even when your babies are asleep, you can't be away from them.
11: Oh, no, you can't. You can't, nobody. You can't.
2: Or, or would you would you have had a little baby monitor there? you pick up the beeping, maybe. Do you know, at the
11: time, there was none of that going to carry on. None she of
2: really that,
14: wasn't. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It wasn't, eh? Right?
11: And then the smaller one would be one, She got her first, and she'd meningitis when me. She was eight weeks. And when she came out then, she was my sister, my other sister, that was again. And it happened to her. And then we brought her back in. She'd meningitis the second time. And then she stopped breathing in the hospital so she ended up in the me. I know, I know. Check, and then she got the machine then as well. So they told about the two machines the door. Uh, a year and a half.
2: And what? Why? Why did they tell you what would happen with both of your daughters? Is it was it some hereditary or just bad luck? It's just bad luck. That the brain wasn't sending the correct signals to the muscles, to the chest, to the, they, the lungs to breathe.
11: Yeah, they were actually just forgetting to breathe, like.
2: Scary so, um, for a parent.
11: Uh, is very very scary. No, they're too beautiful that's no like to be honest with you,
2: but did they did did they grow out of it then?
11: Oh they did they grow out of it. They did. They could sleep away now to be honest. And one of those girls in Australia was that's the girl they be telling you about. Yeah. She,
2: yeah. The girl that you sent the, the, the Guinness yeah, Book of Records hamper to
11: Yeah I just told himself there I'd be entering the three hundred voucher for Tesco
2: you get great value out of that €300, I'd I would, not I? And are they still chomping their way through the hamper in Australia if they got through it yet? This is April.
11: Nay, yeah, they're not going to believe to to happen in her body. You know, she was applying for her visa. This is her second time. And 20,000 is gone. Your men has gone
2: bankrupt with her money. She was applying over there for a visa? Yeah.
11: This, this is her second time. No, she's over. i 99 nine years, eh?
2: And, um, and some company that were doing the application on their behalf went bust yeah uh-huh.
11: 20,000 gone and the 20's gone
2: with it gone with it yeah
11: gone and two years of bush the same thing and 16,000 gone did they go bust as well yep yep It's a chance that we'd to take like ah yeah it's but once, once
2: maybe but twice sounds as if it's a cowboy industry is it not out there no it sounds yeah. like a cowboy yeah. industry I, I swear to God, I swear to God, it's heartbreaking. From
11: I mean, it's tough, it's tough. Like going, get that money, you know. She have two children. And did she save that twenty grand? course oh, she did, eh? She had two children, she was seven year old, and
2: she ran two years. I believe she young, eh? um, That's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Oh my God! Now, I mean, to happen twice, twice is dodgy.
11: Twice, Tom so love lover. Yeah, twice she's happy. She's happy out she is like Scott lover. All right.
2: Okay. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that.
11: Yeah, so she will need a parcel, of you? will not
2: she? She what? Another parcel? She need another parcel? Oh, God, love her. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, what are you suggesting? Like,
11: I mean, uh, I suppose I'll have to look after her. Like, I have nothing. I, I have nothing to give you at this I point. I'm not in asking time. you for nothing. To be honest, she'll get there again.
2: So I mean, what what I'll, 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 ch- I'll chip in for gravy granules or bisto or something or a six pack of tato if you want.
11: You're so kind to me. You
2: Little, <laughs> Stay in touch Bernice That's the most important thing Let us know how things go with you And everybody in the land of wonder down under Hi it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green
9: on Red Bringing you the biggest, the best And newest names in Irish music
0: Cork's Red FM Officially Ireland's Music Station of the Year
2: Talking this morning with the Warburtons down west And they've got uh, rental self-catering cottages And three tree houses and things like that And they've stayed closed Even though Airbnb is advertising Lots of properties that you can literally rent this weekend and head off. There's no point in opening hotels without coffee shops, restaurants and other shops opening too. If you go on a holiday to a hotel, you go for the whole experience. That's why it's called a holiday. We need our shops and restaurants to open now. I was in Kinsale this weekend, just gone, and it was like the August weekend weekend. But there was not a place to sit down for a coffee. Once again, like the city, there wasn't a chair for my elderly mother to sit on. She had to stay in the car. It's crazy. We need to fix this, says Jackie. Uh, can you please address the fact that the lads in their caravans and campervans are allowed down around the coast, but yet the mobile home sites that we pay for are not allowed to open. I'm delighted to see everyone out and about for sure, but I can understand why I and my family aren't allowed into our mobile home. I want to know if you can point me in the right direction. Who do I contact about this? Who do I complain to? I need to get my mobile home from my grandchildren. They're absolutely devastated. And those texts, 0868104106. I stay with the phone lines now, actually, and sometimes you, you have one call and that prompts lots more. And that is the case right now. I've got two calls holding, but I'm not quite sure what lines they're on because the screen is blocked for calls and line. So as soon as that opens, uh, I'll talk to you then. A lot of... Oh, thank you. Much obliged. Done now. Natalie, good morning.
15: Good morning, Hi. Okay, so you?
2: babies that stop breathing, turn them upside down, give them a good shake. Had you known that?
15: <laughs> I actually hadn't, to be honest. Um, my boy, knew he was about three days old. We were literally just out of hospital. And um, he was downstairs with his father, and um, I was upstairs, just resting, and I came down to notice that he was wrapped in blankets now and everything but I came down to notice he looked very pale Um, so I looked down anyway and as I was looking he was starting to go blue so I obviously I grabbed the baby and I checked him and um, he was not breathing and so straight away obviously we ran the emergency services Um, South Dock in the meantime How
2: old was little Harvey? Three days Okay Okay, thank you. Go ahead. So,
15: uh, on. First child as well, so all um, over the place. But, um, yeah,
2: learner yeah. mammy, learner daddy. Yeah,
15: Learner mammy, yeah. <laughs> um, but of course we knew, even though we were learners, still, it wasn't normal. So um, we, uh, we rung the uh, HSCU for the ambulance services and they sent uh, South Dock on actually because um, they'd take a while to get there. I was living abandoned at the time. Um, so they would take a fair bit of time to get there. So... Uh, South Dock came anyway, and they started resuscitating him and using oxygen. How long did that
2: take, though?
15: To me, it felt a very long time, but I'd say all in all, we were waiting about an hour, and they were resuscitating him for about half an hour, I'd say. Um, But even when the ambulance came, I went into the ambulance, and his heart rate was just dropping, going up, dropping. His oxygen was doing the same thing. Um, so it was very scary, and he was on top of my chest in the ambulance, um, just trying to get some comfort for him, and... Um, you
2: must have been hysterical, were
15: you? I, I, I wasn't great, no, I was, there was tears, there was everything, but it, it was kind of like you just had to cure yourself and just do it, because I was still in my pyjamas, and you know, I was just at a hospital myself, I was still recovering myself, so I actually went to the hospital in my pyjamas, and my ugly do such a luck. And um, we, uh, we were inside anyway And by the time he actually got to the hospital He was after levelling out And um, so they kept him in for about an hour And they said They think it was just an apnea attack That he was grand. He's fine Now there's no sign of anything wrong with him And straight after Straight up for the heel test Then upstairs in The, the
2: heel floor. test, what'll that tell yeah. you?
15: Um, it just, it pricks, It's just a the prick they get in their yeah. heel For, um, for the Vishman K Yeah yeah. And um, so he was actually fine. almost an hour later. He was back to normal. He was feeding again. He was breathing again. And they actually couldn't they couldn't understand why it happened either. Um, but as he got older, race, he did have a bit of apnea when he slept. So he'd wake up. You know, like when you've he, when he, when had a really bad dream, you wake up with a big kind of start. A start, yeah. A start, yeah. That's how he'd wake up. But it would be from not breathing. And so you'd hear him kind of his breathing would kind of go and then he'd wake him up and he'd just jump, he'd wake up and jump for the start. So he had to be watched all right up until he was about one. And, uh, but he's flying it now. He's brilliant.
2: Isn't that he's amazing? Tired. Do you, I mean, yeah. is, is that, if, if a, if that happens to a baby and the parent doesn't pick up on it, will the baby pass away and be put down as a cot death, do you think?
15: I think in some cases that could happen because at that age as well I was, I was warning to watch him because at that age they said um, a child is just learning how to use their lungs anyway um, so that it could happen a bit.
2: But um, you would think that that would be involuntary movement they would just do it?
15: You will, I think they probably do just do it but in some cases like I don't know they just like, like how you know he just needed a bit of a start or a bit of a wake up to come back to regulate his breathing I know, but um I'm not too sure the ins and outs there was any genetic history there I'm not too sure of anything like that but yeah he's he's fine and healthy now he's flying thank
2: God thank God well listen thank you for sharing it must have been an awful time for you
15: it was fairly tough to be honest, and uh, there was a kind of a question of, of if, if it whether it affected him age or life. But um, looking back now,
2: nothing. He's perfect. He's yeah. Oh ah, sure. I know. I know. Don't dwell on it. It's all in the past. Exactly. All right. Exactly.
15: Thanks yeah.
2: for that, yeah. Natalie. Look after yourself. Cheers. No
15: problem. you
2: A lot you. of text still coming in with regards to the features we did earlier, covering the topic of parental alienation, and there's a lot of it going on. Lads, there really is. What about the grown-up kids, where the mother has such a problem with the ex-spouse moving on that she controls the kids, so they were. Don't want to speak to the father, even uh, if he doesn't. Have, if certainly, if he doesn't behave a certain way, even though he still does everything for them, it's disgusting the way parents use the kids for all, their own emotions to feel that they have some power over their ex. Um, mothers use the system constantly. Neil, my son was taken to the other side of the world without my knowledge and without any consequences. Could you imagine that? Just gone like that. Went through a recent separation and divorce. All dealings were amicable. Now, this is important. The deal, Everything was amicable. But the total cost for the legal fees was €9,000. It was a huge sum of money when we didn't have so much as a crossword or a single disagreement. It's horrendous for people. I also have a friend that was dragged to court morning, noon and night for years regarding their child. €100,000 later, that child decided to go live with the parent. And the opposing parent cared less as the payment stopped. They were just using the child as a cash cow. And the only time mediation court should be involved is if there are issues where the child is in danger of either parent. By the way, I'm a divorced man. I paid maintenance all through schooling. I'm still paying my ex out of my pension, even though it stresses on my divorce that she has no cause on my pension. <laughs> People would be listening to that saying, so so why are you still paying it then? I have a very young child whose biological father walks past them on the street and has never lifted his head to say hello to the kid. But he will tell people that I stopped him from seeing them. Some men also play a victim game because it doesn't suit them to be a father to their own child. There's no support for a mother in the position that I'm in. Uh, what do you say when your child asks questions? I gave him a full, I gave him full access. One day he announced he didn't want to see the kid any more. Full stop. Sometimes a man or woman can just turn their back on them, and the parent doing all of the work gets slated. Well, the single parent rearing gets to carry the can, I suppose we're saying. And when I say carrying the can, I suppose that's wrong because it's very rewarding. But it can be challenging at the same time. Uh, and, of course, when something goes wrong and you're the only parent, it's you get all of the blame, you know. You're the bad parent then, aren't you? Anyway, keep those texts coming and I'll come back to them again uh, on uh, text four one or six There are lots of them. and um, just the conversation I had early on with with Amanda, who is a homeless granny uh, on the streets of Cork, and the conversation with her earlier on this morning, uh, and then Seamus had a vox with many of the other homeless that are on our streets right now. Colin, good morning.
4: Good morning, Neil.
2: Um, I'd like to congratulate Seamus first.
4: Anyway, yeah, it, nah, was gr- it was it was great work. Yeah,
2: it was it was great work. Yeah,
8: yeah.
4: Um, like the last elections Neil this was the prime topic in the last elections that's pre-Covid homelessness and since I know know we've had Covid since but we still have homeless and I like the the silence is deafening from all politicians as regards homelessness you know and as you said yourself it's younger and younger they're getting
5: have you noticed that I have indeed. Yeah. I have indeed. Yeah.
2: I mean, if you want to, if you want to see, I'm not, in, I'm not encouraging people to be rubber necking, but if you're ever down around the whole boardwalk area or any of the streets adjacent to Simon, you'll see exactly how young they are.
4: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, um, like, it was my wife was saying it to me there one time that she was on the board of management many years ago of a Salford College, and. Uh, they they had somebody coming down from brewery to um, to talk about uh, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and she found it very good. But at the same time, she was saying, "Why not have these people in the classroom, educating our young people as regards people
2: who, that, who have come you know? through and beaten the scourge of heroin, for instance?" Is it? Yes, yes, yes. Or people who are still addicted. Do you want the addicts and and the homeless in the classroom or those who've recovered from it?
4: Maybe both, Neil. Okay. Maybe both to to, to give the, a sharp shock to uh, young people and open their minds as regards the scourge of addiction, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. I, think it, I think it's essential. There, you see, we confuse, we confuse
2: homelessness with addiction addicts end up homeless but but homelessness is in itself um, a consequence of many different reasons so we need to be talking of people who need the services and rehab to get them out of addiction and stop just calling them homeless because they an awful lot of them have addictions they need help with and giving them a roof over their head or somewhere to live does not cure the addiction do you know what i'm trying to say
4: I do, and sometimes Neil, it's uh, you're, you're addicted because of homelessness, because you're out on the street, you have nothing else to do, you want to blot out uh, the world and and the cold, and and you take to either the bottle or you take to a, eventually to a
2: syringe, you know. Yeah, but I mean, you you can't you can't blame people for that.
4: No. Their oh, no. circumstances oh, no. oh, dictate no. that. No. I'm not blaming anyone, Neil. No, but I, I, I,
2: of course you're not. I'm saying, but this morning you. people were texting saying, "Oh my God, here we go! All the homeless want is a roof over their heads and money in their pocket, and they want a medical card and they want social welfare, and they never want to work." That's the kind of stuff I was getting.
4: Yes, I I think personally, I think right. In one way, they might have a small point that there's no follow-up services. For um, uh, for people that are homeless and uh, addicted, I don't think there's any follow up services. Peter MacLaurie said it. Uh, Father Peter MacLaurie said it um, not so long ago on uh, tonight's program that um, like the successive governments have been. Uh, they're, they're just not with us. They're not. They're not on the same planet as, as us. Like you know. They, they don't realise what's happening out there.
2: Okay. You think that, in one way, education in the classroom of those who are going through turmoil Without will it, frighten the life education. out of others into not following them on the same track. Okay.
4: And, okay. At the, and at the same time, then, Neil, I think that they'd want to be um, an advisory committee set, set up Uh, with the likes of Peter McVerry, with the likes of that great woman in Penny Dinners, with the likes of different organisations coming together... Putting the... Putting the thing. Yeah, I, d-
2: I think Katrina Tumi would probably say the time for talking is over now. The time for committees and steering groups is over now. We just need to take action, and that's fairly straightforward. You just get the money and you get building and you get dereliction out of the city and you start using the properties that we have, you know, that's it's a good way to start. Yes, but, 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 put but what, in, why, put are, rehab why are, are we centers. doing
4: it, Neil? Is, is it insurance-wise or is it, uh, oh, I don't want it on my doorstep? What's the reason
2: that we're not doing it? Okay, million-dollar question. Uh, Thanks for that, Colin. Let's move on. 1-850-104-106. Text 0868-104-106. Just very quickly, actually. um, This is another person who's looking for intervention to try to find somebody who also came to their aid. Mind you, it's still a very sad and tragic story nonetheless. Dave. Yeah, yeah. Dave Dowling. Um. That's correct, yeah. What, what happened yesterday regarding your daughter and her little doggie?
13: Uh, what happened, Louis, uh, I came home from work. We have two little dogs. We have a little chihuahua and we have a pop-off of the chihuahua. Uh, a cross between the Yorkshire Terrier and the chihuahua is the mammy. And uh, I came home from work and I just left them out in the back garden which I'd normally do. They're inseparable mammy and
2: daughter doggy are, tiny little are things i said, they, are they
13: what? Yeah. So I just, I just had to do a bit of a run there but uh, I uh, left them out and that'd be normal for me and I'd normally go and bring them back in but uh, the people, there's new people moved in next door to us so they're inclined to go up and bark at the, the little kids next door just, just bark like they will not boy but when that happens, then the daughter runs out and brings them in, and she, she'll be given out to myself over leaving them out, whatever. Well, <laughs> yesterday, she, uh, she left the... Well, when I left them uh she went out. They were back, and then she went out, and she came running down with the little chihuahua in her arms, and she was sc- screaming to go get a vet. We have to go to a vet. The little dog was dying at this stage, like, so... We just hopped into the car and took off, headed for our vet. He's Dolan, the man that we deal with. He's out by the Apple garage, so we headed for there. And uh, when we just got there, he had just left... So she was saying, go to a dinnick, go to another an village. She was talking about Abbeyville and talker. She didn't care where she went just to save this little... Place.
2: You're driving, she's in the passenger seat. She's I don't. In I, incidentally, I don't want to know where you live. I don't want to know your neighbourhood or your estate or okay. anything like that. Okay, all right, all right.
13: Okay. But well, anyway, we, we were heading then, I, I was heading for Ballincollig, and uh, I was stopped at traffic. There was traffic at the traffic lights, and there was a guard, the car at the traffic lights, and uh, I was about four cars back at this uh, and the next thing I looked, she was after hopping out of the car and running up past the car and she was banging on the the, the, the window Sorry, of the guard the car with the little dog in her hand and she was wanting just to get to her face so basically they just told her pop, pop into the car they just waiting for the lights to change and this, they took off and they obviously knew where they were going so they went up by uh, Tesco to a vet across from Tesco and the vet came out and tucked the dog in and then about 10 minutes later came out and said to me that uh, she was after passing away so that's that's basically what happened but it's just the fact that the way the fact the, way the guards dealt with us that's why I went to the ring and thank them. you know
2: it's amazing, actually, the last few days, the amount of... I mean, it's exactly the way we want our guards to be, don't get me wrong. But in still and all, it's very compassionate yeah. of them, you know? I tell you, a woman I tell got you. lost the other day and they, they gave her a guard to escort all the way to the CUH. And here they are now bringing a young woman, young girl... With her well,
13: dying I dog, I say myself. like we all have, I, say, I say we all have kids, and we all have you know, when they when they get into trouble, like you do anything for your kids, as you know, you know what I'm saying. But, and I said they, they might have had kids, and they just saw the reaction of this. She's she's a She's, a, a, a she's twenty one, right just calling my little girl. Like, and uh, it's it's just I said when they saw how she just wanted to save this little dog's life. And they just they just, they just, didn't care to just tuck off with her. And I said, it "Just, they were just, what any, what any human being would do, really. And I, I'm I just thrilled. I, I know, uh, I know. I, to, know.
2: I don't want to you know. dwell on it much because I don't want to oh. cause any issues with neighbours or anything. But
13: I tell you there's what? no issues whatsoever with the neighbours. That The dog that happened, he was in his own property. It was our fault for... It, it was just, it was just, it just happened. Unfortunately, we were just not there, and and they went up barking at the dog, and that was it. There's no issue whatsoever. There. Right. Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad fact, to hear in fact, that. In fact, yeah. I think the, he, the, the dog, he's a, f- a fantastic dog. He's a beautiful dog. In fact, I offered the people that I would walk the dog from because. He's such a handsome dog, you know what I mean? So
2: both families so, must be very upset, then, about what w- happened.
13: Well, I suppose, I'd say, well, you would, uh, well, anybody that would have any nature in them, you know, about dogs, like, I mean, we have dogs, everybody, they all, we all have dogs, you know what I'm saying? Nowadays, you would need a dog to p- mind your property, uh, whatever. Sure, I know, but
2: you must be I mean, very upset, I'd say, you must be sound that, upset, anyway.
13: She's totally devastated in the sense that uh, I was just saying. They told me that uh, when herself and her man bought the dog, they, they told me that she got her in just during the Celtic Tiger time that she got her down in Bantry and they paid 200 euro for her. And uh, the following couple of days later, I discovered they paid 300 down in Wexford. So I said that maths and geography were never your good subject. <laughs> that was school, the Chihuahua Mammy, is it? Mammy Chihuahua. All <laughs> right. So then I discovered afterwards lately that they actually paid 900 for the, the, the Chihuahua in Wexford. So but they told you 200 when they actually spent 900? Well, you know, it says, you know what they actually spent nine hundred to you know yourself. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you know be honest, they never tell us prize. the truth, do they? They do they, 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 do they But you would know? you like to find who the guards were? I would, I would, and I would like to do something for them you know, to thank them. And it's just like a, a lot of people be giving out about the guards. I tell it; these two people are just super yesterday. All and right. She was so. She was so. She was devastated devastates now. This dog is more than a child to this daughter of a day. I know. You know what I mean? There's a lot of cruelty to animals but there's a lot of people who love their animals as well. I know, I know. Well, look, you let's know?
2: let's see if we can track them down. There's bound to be somebody that will know them. They could bang me off a quick text, and I'll just flip numbers with you, and you can pick up the story can't with them from there. They. All right? As I
13: say, even the vet in themselves, when I asked to what to be home, they wouldn't take any money. And again, it just shows you there's just still a lot of kindness out there. Absolutely. That's important for people to call and
2: share those kind of stories. Tragic and all as it is, with the little Chihuahua yeah. pup. Chihuahua, Yorkshire
13: terrier cross. Um, it's, sorry, it's just that the little pup don't misses her, so you know she was They were always inseparable. So oh, forgive me. Is it the mammy died? The mammy died. I thought it was the baby died. No, no, it was the mammy. The died. mammy she was, like, died. She was she was nine years old, and the and like mammy. we thought though, she we thought we get another couple of years so and it, what, the
2: poor old pop now doesn't know what's going on I suppose
13: I don't know what's going on I know when, he's, when he's a pup he's a, he's a fairly big pup he's well known now where we live because he I I played the old button accord I'm a beginner but when I play he starts singing well howling so <coughs> I was telling him that uh, the locals were telling me that I must be getting g- good because the dog has stopped howling <laughs> so. so I played I actually put up on video there last week we do a uh, kind of a WhatsApp thing and I played it up in video and this lad sent said, uh, said a comment back that the dog was a better singer than myself.
2: <laughs> well, you just stick to the button accordion because that's what the no, Chihuahua can I, play. I, you know what I said, now? Jealousy
13: is an awful thing. It certainly is. But the poor old pu- poor old Chihuahua pup is probably looking for his mammy. Oh, of course he is. And he is, you, can, you see, daughter and the, and the dogs were inseparable but the pup and mammy Or more in separate political, if that has to be. I know, I know, I know. Listen, let's see if we can find those guards for you, right, Dave? as I said I would love to thank All
2: right. you okay. alright thanks okay. so much mind yourself look after yourself it's tragic isn't it it's very sad back after the break
0: talk to Neil Printerville now Eighteen fifty-one oh four one oh six. Red FM
2: and lots of text 0868104106 uh, morning a view on this litter topic you've been talking about recently well it's litter of sorts it's kind of Covid related litter where people are outdoors an awful lot more and they're just leaving their junk everywhere sometimes it's fast food junk sometimes it's booze sometimes it's both surely littering must be rooted from upbringing. Uh, My four-year-old pointed out litter to me all of the time. They would bring it up and try to pick it up. I must ask them not to pick up litter at times, as it could be tissues or things like that, or masks, things you wouldn't want them to pick up without gloves. If a four-year-old knows it's wrong and bad for the environment, I don't see any excuse for young people or adults, says Sarah. Yeah, maybe it's drilled in when there's children. There are Coke cans, takeaway rubbish, dirty nappies in Blackpool. It's very badly littered with black bin bags. It's a regular occurrence now at the weekend, particularly under the flyover. They just dumped them there. Blackpool is a disgrace. There is uh, no more pride in Blackpool. We don't even have a tidy towns group out here anymore. Um, thank you for those. My Newfoundland went missing back in January, half seven on a Saturday morning. Within two hours, it had been shared online over 2,000 times. Thankfully, we found him that morning, but it was unbelievable the support I got. Um, I suppose this is just like the the, the case of uh, Rocco. Um, I was delighted with all the help. Initially, I was woken by a neighbor at half two in the morning who heard him barking. I went outside and saw the gate open, So closed, he went back to bed. Later that morning, and the same gate was open and he was missing. He was later found wandering the local graveyard. I'm not sure if he brushed against the gate or whether someone attempted to take him. He was bought as a pup two years ago for 800 euro, but now is worth 3,000. Well, I suppose you can see, you'll never actually know why he got away or was it because somebody tried to rob him. But you can see the reasons why people are robbing dogs now, because particularly... And Lily said the good looking dogs, <laughs> the pedigree dogs, are worth quite an amount of money, certainly in COVID over the past uh, 12 months or so. So thank you for all those texts. I'll come back to more of them. Can I just go back to the phone lines? Jan, good morning.
14: Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very and, nervous. Ah, uh, you're because
2: uh, Well, it's very personal to you, so I can kind of understand that. But don't worry about it. It's, thank you for your text. It's always nice to chat. Tell me about baby Layla.
14: Yeah, like I was listening there and I kind of, yeah, because the same thing happened to us as well when she was two weeks old. So I was very interested, you know, because I lost the fright of my life. Um, It just so happened she was two weeks old. She's three months old now and she was in her cot asleep and it just was lucky I was there. I was bending over the cot looking at her, just admiring how beautiful she was. And I was like, you know, and oh, she's lovely. And suddenly she went white and kind of gasped, and I didn't, to be honest, I think she did stop breathing for a few seconds, and I grabbed her with the cot straight away, and she gave a massive gasp, and she was fine-like, but I, I got an awful fright-like. Do you ever um, think
2: that that was probably happening to uh, Layla when you weren't near her, and that that was, a, not saying a regular enough thing, but... You know, because you're not going to be watching her 24-7 yeah, and that she would I, not breathe and then gasp and wake up and throw out her arms, breathe again and go back to sleep.
14: I, I was terrified, right, that that might have happened when I wasn't there, but mostly, you see, i have been sleeping her on my chest from kind of day one and then I'd put her into the cot for a couple of hours or, you know, I was trying to kind of get into a routine of putting her into her cot and not sleeping on my chest and, you know, so... She had been in the cot a few times before that and I was thinking, had it happened before? But um, ever since then, I've been terrified. I've never, ever left her in her cot ever again. She doesn't go into it at all. She sleeps with me all the time. Um, Do health
2: nurses still call to new little babies in the home? Pardon? Do public health nurses still call?
14: Oh yes, that's the thing. Um, like I, I got an awful fright. I was in a rush, quite worried. Like if I was going to go to the hospital, but thank God she was okay. But I, I'm not like a new mom. I have three other kids, you know, so that had never happened before. So I. She was fine anyway for the rest of the night. I didn't leave her out of my sight. Like, And I rang the public health nurse the next morning. And I was waiting a couple of hours for them to get back to me. And I insisted they call out. And I got told of something called silent reflux, which I've never heard of before. I've heard of reflux, but not silent reflux. But then again, I had researched myself and I came across apnea as well, this apnea thing. um. But like I sleep, my child now in my bed every night with me, like on my chest. I don't really? fully sleep at all. I know it's not good. Really? But I'm. I'm no, I had scared. just wondered yeah. when you
2: talked about baby sleeping on chest. Is that is that a a recommendation that wasn't around when I had babies? Is that something new? I've,
14: all, I've always kind of slept them on my chest, but while I'd be awake, kind of a thing. But like you'd always kind of be, you'd never be fully asleep. You'd always be aware. Do you know that kind of way it's not well, two, pro- two like, problems I, with
2: that you're going around wrecked and never getting proper sleep and that's affecting <laughs> you mentally and physically and what happens yeah. if you did fall asleep roll over and the baby is over you wouldn't. I actually
14: wouldn't I do I know exactly what you're saying I appreciate that and that is a thing but I actually sleep upright on my back and I'm never ever kind of fully asleep I'm always aware and I've got my arms around her Um and I have things at the side of us as well, so that she wouldn't fall. Would, do you
2: not think she'd prefer to be in a cot? No.
14: No, God, okay. she she hates it. She's see, I I suppose they got her into the habit now of being like that. But I I'm terrified to put her in there
2: terrified yeah. because of the breathing issue and yeah. and has she been checked for apnea or anything like that Or
14: she wasn't no like to be honest like the public health nurse I found to be very casual, blasé and robotic about it, there was no concern or anything like that maybe really. she
2: feels that it just happens um, that yeah. they're learning the process of breathing, I don't know uh, and that she they'll wake say, with a start and start yeah. breathing again and t- maybe she's saying don't yeah. worry about it
14: she did say to me that it was lucky that I was there when it happened and i did the right thing by grabbing her straight out of the cot and i kind of stimulated her breathing again those were her very words but she didn't give me a whole lot of information about the silent reflux or anything like that um but i think it was the apnea thing i don't know i don't think it's the same thing you know yeah
2: yeah yeah so you're a bit on edge these days are you
14: very frightening I have a baby monitor now um, I should have surely had it <laughs> um, for when we came home or whatever but, you don't um, hear
2: anything from next door on that do you I remember hearing all sorts of weird conversations in hotels and guest houses and stuff I mean, it must have been other other families baby monitors was it
14: um, you, what do you mean <laughs> you, you don't hear
2: like you have a baby monitor and it's in the baby's yeah. room and you have your own yeah. unit then but do you hear any yeah. conversations on it?
14: No, not at all. We're, we've uh, detached house. I don't hear anything. <sighs> I No. <laughs> I used to. That'd be free. Used to, really? I can't remember what, but... I Yeah.
2: And, and, and be very careful with wow. them. I once heard somebody tearing strips out of another person, not realizing oh that there was a baby monitor in the room and the other person could hear everything they were saying. <laughs> they can be, They can be deadly yeah yeah <laughs> a baby monitor is the same wow. as having a house bugged, you know
14: yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> anyway. but um, yeah, I do think the I was going to invest in the the kind of the what is it the sensing thing where you put something into the car, and if something like that happens, an alarm goes off, so i I might down the road get that because she can't always be in my bed, you know. Um, on my chest. Like, I never sleep on my side or anything, and well, I I, I just don't you, move. I yeah. sleep upright on my back all the time and propped up, like, kind of in a sitting position. Are you not
2: wrecked, though? No?
14: <laughs> kind of, but she's worth it. Like, once she's safe, like, I, I'm just too nervous ever since that happened. It frightens the living life out of me.
2: Get whatever tech makes you have a little bit more yeah. peace of mind, though. It's just, you know.
14: There needs to be more kind of, um, kind of you know, help around it or just kind of information and, you know, yeah.
2: Mind yourself. Thanks, but, Jan. Take care. Appreciate yeah. it. Lorraine, good morning.
14: Hi, Neil. How are you?
2: You know of these stories and situations only too well. Is that right?
14: My God, do I not. Yeah, I have a three-year-old boy and he's been brought back so many times, we'd say. He's a, he's a soldier. He's a fighter. Yeah, he has a condition: reflex anoxic seizures and reflex what? Uh, anoxic seizures. It's not epilepsy. Um, mm. It's got to do with shock apnea, and you know, it's his whole makeup and everything. It's been three years. Is it common?
13: Is
2: it
14: common enough? Not, not. Well, no, I mean, in no, the, no. Spas- the space the, the last half
2: hour, it sounds quite common to me.
14: Well, um, it took two and a half years. To find out about himself because we spent most of our time in the COH with him. Um, he was having seizures, he was blackening okay. out, he was passing out, he was needing to be brought back.
8: And how would you um, do that by
2: myself, uh, paramedics
14: how you- a whole lot? They're amazing. They're oh, was unbelievable. It th-
2: so it was always a paramedic brought him back. Did you do it in the in the house at all?
14: Yeah, I did it a couple I did it three times myself to so seven times he needed to be.
2: How did you do it?
14: Well, um, I knew what was happening from so straight away. Um, I rang the dispatcher, um, the ambulance crew, uh, the ambulance dispatcher. And the first time you note know, was horrifying and she walked me through it. And I just kicked into gear, like I said there you now. And um, what I did is, she, she walked me through what I needed to do. I needed to do with the CPR and I needed to um, bring him back, basically, bring him back. And when he came back to life, he did this big, massive, massive gasp and um, he was back then with me again. So but what would have happened even, if you hadn't... Old. What
2: he was only a month old. What would have happened if you hadn't done that, chest compressions and things?
14: My God Almighty, do I, I, you know what? I actually have nightmares about this because it's so frequently happening, you know? He wouldn't have come back. Now, like I said to you there, I had no experience of this. I have, Like, I have five other older children, but I have no experience okay. of this. It's okay. just... Came upon, you know, but then I did, to be fair, a little girl.
2: I was just going to ask you about the incident in Cove, yes.
14: Yeah, yeah, so a little baby girl, Um, she started to have um a convulsion. No, I wasn't there when she started having it, but her mother ran for me because she knew that what I was dealing with, with my small valance, So um, she was only a few doors down. So I just ran with my nebulizer, my buckle the the pam and I got to her. She was red raw. She was boiling, stripped her naked, brought her into a cold shower. Cold shower, did you say? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Try shock her back. That's what I do with my small fella when he has a slight one, we'll say. So shock her back, Um, play with her feet, do whatever you have to do before. You couldn't do anything else. The the paramedics were on the way. Um, so I decided I'd start doing the compressions and, um, God love her, she was rolling and she was sitting and she was doing everything. Her eyes were rolling and everything and the whole lot, you know, it was, it was, I won't say it, it I, it's my norm. So I did just kick into action and... But the
2: mother must have been, been in an awful state. It might have been...
14: Horrible state. The, patient, the parents just, they just could not. And I actually had to tell them to go away. Just let me do this, you know. So she was coming back and she gasped like that, you now like my little boy does. And I was holding her and she was wet and everything and I was holding her and I said, listen, baby girl, please stay with me. And she kept like blinking to show me she was there. And I could feel her pulse, I could feel her breathing. Now, um, I'd given her um, half a book. Bucc- it's 2.5 milligrams for her age, would have been under one, and to five milligrams over for others. Um, I'd given her half of that um, into her buccalum cavity, that stopped her seizing, that settled her down. Um, the paramedic came and he said to me, My God, (laughs) Mom, what did you do? (laughs) Look what you did And I said, God no, I'm only the neighbor And he said to me, Look here, take the pin, will you take our blood sugars and will you do this and you know? So I have to say now, Neil, right? It's the most empowering feeling in the whole world, right? But the second the paramedics took that little girl out of my arms. They actually told me to wrap her and bring her into the ambulance because she was safe and she was back with me and she was, you know, as if she was, you know, she was alive so she was back to me. And is that what you 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 felt
2: overpowering, the saving of a baby's life, is it?
14: You know what, you know what, it was such a feeling that I could do this for this little girl. You know, she'll never know. The parents know and oh my God, she'll go help us. You know, but what a feeling because you know what, if you can save only one life, you know, yeah, and yeah, a little yeah. girl. But you know what, Neil? Like, you still find it now. quite
2: emotional, incidentally.
14: Oh, my God, I am. Yeah. But you see, the thing there about that is, what I'm going to say next, and I find it with my own boy still, even though it's my norm, when the paramedics took that little girl off of me, I collapsed and broke down and cried my heart and thought <laughs> out. You know, it was like... I'm like, oh my god! What did I just do? Wow. And I will admit, I was in shock for a good two, three days. You
2: well know? done, well
11: I, done.
14: I'm, like I said, there, I'm not. It's normal with my boy, okay. um, and I do still go into the aftershock stage. But at least I can hold him, you know, and I can, you know.
2: And it will pass, him. like you know. Babies grow it
14: out of pass. this. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it will pass. It will grow out of it. But, like that lady was saying previously there about the technology, like I snooze a pod for him when he was a baby because it was a month, of course, when he started his. And an angel care mat under his mattress the whole time, you know. So.
2: I haven't a clue what any, any of those alarm- things are. What would like-
14: Sorry, so the angel care mat alarms you if they stop breathing. Um, And the snoozer pod does the same. You attach it to the clothes of a nappy. Are you serious that all of
2: these different things and gadgets and technology are all available to put in cots, yeah?
14: My God, there is, yes. There is, yeah.
2: And you think that they're they're not a money-making racket? They are really effective?
14: Listen to me. My God. (laughs) I have been alerted to... (laughs) How many was my small? son like, because of the angel care matter.
2: Okay. No, I'm not taking you know? any one in particular. I'm just saying, you know, the world we live in now. There's a, you know, there's a miracle cure for everything. But you're saying that all of these different things are effective.
14: No, wait. oh, they are. Okay, so okay. when it comes to the babies okay. and the pediatrics, they have to be sure. They have to be right. You know, because like I done the infant pediatric course and everything, and you know. Doing that is totally different to doing the adult one. Gotcha. Because yeah, you're dealing yeah. with a tiny baby, and as you can hear in the background, she's happy, out singing "Happy Birthday."
2: And I'll let you get <laughs> back you know? to that. It's a great story, Lorraine. Thanks so much for sharing. Look after yourself. Oh, right?
14: mother, shall. you're a super Take duper care.
2: kid. Well done. Hi. Well done. Thank you. Found two,
14: by the way. What? Well done to her. Oh, I absolutely. Hope that lady is found. Well done to her.
2: Okay. Cheers. Take care. Lines open at one 106 zero four one zero six. I'm getting grief actually for encouraging people to text. Um, saying, oh my God, Neil keeps saying text, but it falls on deaf ears, makes me so angry because he's forgotten, forgetting about the forgotten elderly. Well, I mean, what can I say? Uh, you know, email, text, this is all the different ways of communicating. It may not suit everybody, but there is the good old-fashioned way of doing things, and that is by post. If you've got something to share and you can't text, then just bang it off by post, Neil, Red FM, Coraheen Cork will get it. I mean, there are long, it's a longer address, but it's quite straightforward. I think at this stage, Neil Prendiffel Red FM will get it. Probably Neil Prendiffel. Probably Neil, back after the break.
9: The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850-104-106.
2: Ah, yes, indeed. You can always phone. I mean, everybody has a phone, 1850-104-106. And if we can't talk to you on air, we will always take a number and call back later on, regardless of your age. We're very cognizant of the elderly. Incidentally, how come you're giving out to me about texting and asking people to text when you texted yourself? I suppose you're advocating on behalf of those that can't, maybe. Anyway, um, we'll come back to everything else in the morning, and I apologize. I apologize to those that I didn't get to this morning, but sometimes I just go off on a bit of a bit of a tangent. But um, I do want to just mention this, and I mentioned it at the top of the hour because it is health related. Again, we talk about issues regarding forgotten parts of our city, whether it's Blackpool and a lot of the dereliction there. Somebody this morning was talking about an awful lot of litter issues there. It has been for a long, long time, way too long, and you got to wonder. Uh, what's happening at a national level with regards to politics as to why Blackpool has been left to go uh, year in, year out on a slippery slope to dereliction, if you like, in many areas of it and what's going to happen about it. And that's why it doesn't surprise me then that there would be issues regarding South Dock on the north side because the north side has always been treated differently to the south side. That's just a fact of life and it's wrong. Uh, And now we hear this morning that they're going to reopen it. It's a headline in the Echo this morning. But if I ever saw a headline that was inaccurate, I have to say it is inaccurate because South Dock is not reopening. It's a kind of a it's a it's a kind of a complicated process of making a phone call, um, and if the if the doctor who answers the phone deems that you don't need to see anybody, the doctor on the phone will say go to South Dock in Kinsale Road. Um, if if the doctor believes that um, that there might be a possibility that you actually do need to somebody see somebody, that doctor will then drive to the Blackpool Treatment Centre to meet the patient. There would be a phone converse consultation, obviously, before that. Then um, uh, an appointment, if there's an appointment available. You will go to the Blackpool Centre. The doctor will drive there, meet you, I mean, uh, it, and, like... You just couldn't make this up, to be quite honest with you. Now, I was talking to Councillor Kenneth Flynn about it yesterday. And while he says that at least it's some kind of a step in the right direction, that's all it is. But it is still very disappointing. And he disputes totally that South Dock that they've operated successfully without anybody complaining with the Northside South Dock closed. Because he says many of the constituents that he represents have come to him extremely disappointed with the lack of a South Dock service on the north side, and they feel let down. And he says the HSE must insist that South Dock carry out the service that they have been contracted to do, full stop, and that is reopen it fully. Anita, good morning.
12: Good morning, Neil.
2: You might also you. be interested to hear that I spoke, or we spoke this morning with somebody in the know who claims that Blackpool... South Dock, when it was open, was just as busy as the Kinsale Road, week in, week out. The rough figures that have been given regarding cases, and this is for somebody who worked there for in, within the area of that kind of medic medicine for many years, on an annual basis, fifty thousand uh, visits to the Kinsale Road, forty five thousand to the Blackpool South Dock. Does that surprise
12: you? Not at all. Not one single bit. We need our South Dock back. Not we need it, we want our South Dock back. Our South, our South Dock saved my grandchild's life. Tell me. My grandchild was six years of age. She has very bad asthma. Um, and she was having an asthma attack which had started and progressed to the stage where it was uncontrollable at home under her inhalers and the nebulizer, We phoned out, doc, and they said, bring her down immediately. I drove my daughter down with my granddaughter in the back of the car. We were brought in immediately, and the doctor took one look at my grandchild. Her little heart, you could actually see it, pounding out in her chest. She was blue.
2: Incidentally, you broke lights to get there. It was so bad, in fairness. As
12: yeah. the doctor was looking at my granddaughter, he said, who's driving? And I said, I am. He said, start planning your journey while I'm writing this letter, because you have a mission. You need to get this child to uh, CUH as soon as possible. I haven't even time to get an ambulance here for you. Oh,
2: it was from South Dock to CUH that you raced like the clappers, right? Okay. Yeah.
12: yeah. yeah handed my daughter he handed me the letter and he he literally ushered us out the door and he told us drive safely but as fast as possible and break lights once it's safe to do so get there ASAP it's utmost urgency my granddaughter her life was saved because South Dock knew what was wrong with her and sent us on our way.
2: Yeah, but they probably might say that that could equally have happened at the Kinsale Road South Dock. No,
12: um, it could have, but why? Like, I actually, I was talking to a researcher there, and I know I'm from Cork. I know, I know where the Kinsale Road is, but I don't know where South Dock is on the Kinsale Road. Oh,
2: it's not I the easiest going place to, to find.
12: Make it My business, yeah to actually go out there and find where South Dock is out there. It's not the because easiest, yeah. I do not know where South Dock is out there on the Kinsale Road. But why should we have to cross to the South Side? We have to cross to the South Side to hospitals. We have to cross the... To... We have nothing left on the North Side. They're taking everything off. Of.
2: Do you know that one of the reasons years ago when all of this happened, right, um, South Dock, one of the reasons it was created was it was created so that they could close more hospitals. You no, know, oh, yeah. so they could take the Andy out of the South Infirmary, so they could close the North Infirmary, so they could take it the. It's
12: uh... all a it means to an end, and when they closed South Dock temporarily because of COVID, it was just that was their excuse to take South Dock out of the North Side. But
2: who's who doesn't want to have it? Is it the doctors that operate there? I mean, who?
12: Um, is there a committee or I, something? I would say the HSE. I would say it's, it's, it's said, coming from the top. Southstock said that they expect everything to be
2: fine, that numbers will be low for this kind of half-assed system they've decided to come up with now. Because the majority that's of patients...
12: exactly what they are offering us. They're not offering us... Um,
2: because the majority of patients have transport and they're more than happy to travel to the Kinsale Road. Is that true?
12: I don't think so there's a lot of people that do not have transport or are, are are not in a situation to drive um you know another patient especially with covid here's what he said I he mean, said It's my, my neighbor that doesn't have a car needs to go to a doctor i mean with covid at the moment you can't you can't take people like that to doctors, I mean this is when we need
2: our South Dock. This was somebody who drove for South Dock. Blackpool was just as busy as Kinsale Road, week in week out, rough figures so of what, cases so generated from us? Kinsale Road say 50,000 Blackpool 45,000, actually this individual went on to say, Middleton 20,000, Mallow, Formoy and the rest of the smaller centres would range between 5,000 and 10,000 annually.
12: And who do they take? Northside yeah, okay. they leave Mallow, they leave everyone else, and they'll take they they took they took it under stealth okay. no, we weren't told it was being taken. We had no say in it. We weren't told as a community this was happening. It was only supposed to be a temporary thing. Then we were told we were getting it back, and then they were told we're not getting it back. They're playing with us. And now they're telling us again that we are not getting I, it
2: back. I got to go. I got to go pass. for now. I got to go for now. But your granddaughter was it meningitis or something? What was it? You...
12: Um, my my daughter was another another trip that we had to make an urgent trip. My, my granddaughter's mother. Um, my, my, my granddaughter was an asthmatic attack but my, my daughter they thought she had meningitis and again I had to take her like without blue lights I had to take her in my car now thankfully it didn't turn out to be meningitis but she was so severely ill they they, they just had they actually
2: helped her into the car with me. Okay, okay. i going couldn't even walk. Okay, I'm going to pick it up in the morning. Thank you so much, Anita. Thanks for taking the call. Um, text 0868 if you can text. Pick up the phone. If not, email neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. Enjoy the sunshine. I'll see you tomorrow.
1: Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.